tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800-938-007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you to make a call. And Ali is looking after the programme today. Coming up on the show, Fianna Fáil Minister says the new proposals for housing and welfare for Ukrainian refugees... Uh, she has described them indeed as being unpalatable. The health minister says that doctors and nurses should take some blame for hospital overcrowding. A lot of... A lot of critique of those statements. Um, Our listeners shared their advice on this week's Dear Phil letter about Santa visits. Should Ireland expedite its uh, COVID inquiry? The Gardaí keep us up to speed on what's been happening around the county. We'll be hearing from Clonmel Schools about the Christmas markets, which kick off at Kickham Plaza uh, this weekend. And we have gardening with Alton Nesbitt as well. So all of that and much, much more on the way. We'll also give you an opportunity to win some fantastic vouchers in association with our good friends in Thurlis because of course Christmas shopping in Thurlis is absolutely brilliant. And uh, two 50 euro vouchers to give away today. Uh, one for Moran's Menswear on Fire Street and Hummingbird Boutique on Fire Street as well. And your cue to text and WhatsApp. ho <laughs> It's Christmas in Thurlis. So when you hear that, if you text or WhatsApp, give us your details and put Thurlis at the end of your contribution, we will pop you in the draw. It's as simple as that. Um, let's have a look at the front pages of the Irish Times, leading with uh, the story that uh, Irish motor insurance claims costs rose by almost 25% last year to uh, seven, $751 million. It made a spike in damage costs as crash rates and inflation rose following the pandemic. And that's according to new figures from the central bank. Also on the Times today, leaving search students will be required to complete research investigations worth 40% of marks from fifth year onwards in subjects such as physics, biology and chemistry under major changes to the senior cycle, which is kind of interesting. The Irish Independent. And their lead story fears of a breakdown in public support for Ireland's response to the Ukrainian refugee crisis prompted ministers to slash social welfare and limit accommodation for new arrivals. And that's uh, revealed today in the Indo. And seemingly a secret briefing for ministers warned of a potential significant increase in new arrivals after Christmas and a surge in refugees forced into homelessness as well. But the Indo was dominated by a photograph of a beautiful, beautiful child and such a sad story because a verdict of a medical misadventure was returned at the inquest into the death of Hannah Singh, who was four, and it was heard that staff at Temple Street Hospital failed to react to a number of red flags indicating sepsis and uh, the little girl died 12 hours after she was discharged and the most beautiful little thing. Um, let's have a look at the examiner and again a photograph featuring a child but again in a very uh, different circumstance The uh, half the front page dominated by a picture of a, a child reacting as people salvage belongings and uh, rubble of a damaged uh, building following strikes in the Gaza Strip earlier in the uh, conflict and also that story that's right across the newspapers today the Irishman 
killed while fighting in Ukraine was a former US Marine who had previously fought in Iraq. His name, Graham Dale. And he emigrated to the US in the year 2000 and uh, had flown to Ukraine shortly after Russia invaded in February to offer his assistance. And uh, the Daily Mail, again, it's that story around refugees and the cabinet fearing it will have to slash benefits for Ukrainians once more if new measures fail to stem the number of arrivals with capacity at breaking point. So that's a look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. Do you want to comment on any of that? And if you do, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, 083 311 Now, Fianna Fáil Minister says that she finds the government's latest plans for housing Ukrainian refugees unpalatable and hard to swallow. Under measures signed off by Cabinet, new arrivals can stay in state accommodation for a maximum of three months, during which time they will receive a reduced weekly welfare payment of €38.80, down from the current payment of €220. Disabilities Minister Anne Rabbit told Tip FM News what she thinks of the plan. I suppose as a mother, as a mother with three kids, um, to think that a mum that would come here in serious need, to think that she's given 90 days in accommodation with support and then said, find your own way. I think that's hard. I find that a difficult one to swallow myself, to be quite honest with you. So I'm looking for more detail on it. I find that unpalatable, to be honest with you. And that's Minister Anne Rabbit speaking uh, to Donal yesterday. Again, what do you make of that? 083 311 Now, the Health Minister, Stephen Donnelly, he's caused a bit of a stir with comments he made about hospital overcrowding. Um, he said that some hospitals are failing to do what they are supposed to do and accused doctors and nurses of leaving patients on trolleys too long. Councillor Shamie Morris joins me now. Shamie, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. Good to say. It's kind of astounding, is it not, Shamie, that health staff are now being blamed for overcrowding? Okay. Um, New HL, um, in 2009, we were promised 600 emergency beds for a population of 350,000 people. We now have a population of 425,000 people and we have uh, 530 beds. So what's happening in UHL is, com- is completely down to a lack of, lack of uh, funding and, and also the fact that, that uh, the successive government hasn't given, hasn't given the money uh, to increase the number of beds in there. So it, it is obviously a capacity issue. And but Stephen Donnelly now to turn around and start blaming um, uh, the staff in there is, is remarkable. But it's not, it's something that he has been doing, for him, despite going on to himself and saying that reconfiguration hasn't worked. <clears throat> they're now beginning to uh, question the, the INMO trolley number. So they're actually questioning nurses now. And what what is that doing for morale? And morale is already in the toilet, Jamie. I mean, you know, blaming doctors and nurses, really? Well, look, he's using an easy um, thing to, to look at. You know, Waterford Hospital, as we know, is doing well, yeah. okay, in terms of trolley numbers. But the Midwest has only one Model 4. Only, only, uh, has only a Model 4 hospital. has no Model 3 hospital. For, for the most part, people in, in Limerick and in Clare and in parts of Norfolk have nowhere to go other than, other than into UHL. And it's quite obvious that UHL is, is short, not only 70 beds, but it's actually short up to 200 beds uh, according, to popula- uh, according to population mm. trends. And for, for, the, for the minister to stand over the reconfiguration policy, and that's the whole thing that's, that's holding everything up in terms of trying to, you know, say, look, we, we'll reopen Nina, we'll reopen, reopen St. John's, or we'll reopen Ennis to take, take the slack 
while we come up with a, a, a correct number of beds. And, you know, there's a new block we built in, in, in there at the moment, but that's only going to realise 48 new beds. Uh, so that's going to bring it up to 578 beds. That's way short of what we were promised for, 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 for a population with, with, le- with a population of which a population now of more than 75,000 more than what we were promised. Yeah, and again, what is it now, less than two weeks to to Christmas? Yesterday we saw 106 uh, on trolleys in UL. Um, on Monday, 109, Shamie. So, you know, we have seem to have the same conversations every year as well. Well, we, we don't, uh, because now uh, Fianna Fáil, particularly in Clare, are beginning to um, also uh, question uh, management and question uh, the fact that um, they, they want to blame uh, the nurses' um, um, trolley numbers. Look, it would be very simple here, Fran, uh, to, to, for Stephen Donnelly and the management of UHL to call a meeting with local uh, representatives and representatives from the forum, which is something I'm looking for, so that we can sit down in a room and stop the blame game. Um, there was a report out there, there were snippets of a report out there about the death of, of 16-year-old Aoife Johnson mm. in UHL, and it, it does show massive failings in management, and also it shows massive failings in management um, taking uh, a previous HICWA report and actually improving things in there, but can they improve things in there? Can they improve things with with the lack of the lack of capacity in there? It's just not possible to to uh, fit the population that we have in the Midwest into one one uh, emergency emergency hospital, and it's just. And I think we need our government ministers. We need our TDs. Fine, all our TDs are going to ground in this, particularly the Midwest TDs. But and it's it's, it's remarkable. How they're getting away with it. Is, is that because there's a hopelessness to it, Jamie? There is a, Fran, there isn't, there is a hopelessness to it. But, but, you know, the likes of me and the likes of Conor Reedy and the likes of Tanya DeVito, people that are, that are standing up against uh, what's happening out there are putting their head above the parapet. And I, as I said, Fran, this will be an election issue. Whether, whether, whether they like it or not, it's, I, I will be making this an election issue because at the end of the day, the suffering of people going into, into UHL is horrific. I mean, there, it, Stephen Donnelly's trying to find out that, you know, there's been, uh, that other hospitals are able to discharge people at the weekend, and they are, Fran. But at the end of the day, Fran, the trolley numbers in, in UHL are, are disgraceful every day of the week uh, for, uh, for, mm. uh, for the last number of years, Fran. There isn't a day that they're the worst trolley numbers in the country. And wouldn't you think that our, our high-flying TDs in the Midwest would be calling a meeting, an emergency meeting on this? You also, at this week's meeting of the Tipperary County Council, Shami, you called for um, Limerick Fire Service to carry out an inspection. This isn't the first time you've done this. And I, I find it remarkable that, 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 that the fire chief in Limerick, who is the fire chief, you know, responsible for UHL, isn't knocking down the door in, in UHL every day to win and to make sure that the, that the place is safe in there. And yes, I sent an email on in October um, to the fire chief, asking them to go in and investigate. And they said that they, they more or less told me that they had no reason to investigate it and that there'd be no compliance issues in 2019. Now, I cannot imagine non-compliance, uh, I, sorry, compliance at UHL when the bed numbers are so high. We, we had bed numbers, we had party numbers of 130 recently, Pat. And if the fire chief wasn't in there that day, he's not doing his job. So I've asked, I asked uh, Michael Ryan a representative of Tipperary County Council uh, Fire Service to follow up on my complaints on behalf of the people of the Midwest. Um, but, I mean, if you have walkways and corridors blocked, 
with trolleys. I mean, that, that, that is a disaster where fire inspection is concerned, is it not? What we have here now, friend, is everybody looking away. And, uh, and, and that includes Hickory, by the way. Hickory did a recent report there, and it was reported that it was a positive report. How on earth could we have a positive report in a hospital uh, that has trolley numbers, uh, uh, excessive trolley numbers every, every single day? So, as I said, it's time to concentrate minds. This will be an election issue. All the TDs out there that listen to Tip FM, all, uh, all the Midwest TDs that are, and, and councillors, We'll be facing this in local elections because that's all I can do, Fran, as, as a, a local representative, is to keep this issue on the agenda. Yeah, I mean, I thought we had gotten to a very good place when he admitted himself that the reconfiguration didn't work. And, you know, I, I, I admired him greatly for standing up at the time and saying that. And I was wondering what the plan would be following that admission, but that was it. Like, it, it, Actually, the plan had since has been to discredit the, the INMO trolley numbers. Yeah. And, you know, everybody knows the pressure the staff are under in there. And for, for the minister himself and Fianna Fáil TDs, particularly in Clare, they're beginning to openly question the INMO figures. If they are, then, what is their alternative? Uh, if they're working off the trolley gear numbers, which is what the, the HSC themselves uh, put out every day, what numbers, what, what numbers um, of trolleys are, are the hospitals working on it when, when they put in emergency emergency um, configurations into, into trying to try and work out as to what they're going to do? In other words, if the trolley numbers get to a certain certain level, they have to put in emergency. Uh, they have to put in emergency uh, things to, to make sure that the that, that the rest of the hospital is working. Yes, they have to put they have to put trolleys, um, you know, in, in, into into rooms. Side rooms. They have to take trolleys from the emergency company, from sorry, from the emergency department. What, what, what numbers are they are they working off when they do that? Are they to physically go down and look at the, the, the state of the place? And that's that's and, and I've, I've always asked journalists when they have a look themselves, not to believe everything I'm saying, but I think the the the, the recent report that came out about the 16 year old that died in there mm. is absolutely shocking. And I think and I think there will be. Uh, there will be um, huge questions asked when that, when that report fully comes out. Uh, the Minister was on prime time last night. Uh, he was asked um, when he'll know the full cost of the children's hospital. I, I just, just hang on with me a moment. It's just about 60 seconds. I just want to play this, Shami. Just one sec. Um, are we any closer at this stage to getting a figure of the cost of the National Children's Hospital? The cost of the National Children's Hospital, there was 1.433 billion was was um, was indicated, I think, in 2018 or 2019. We knew then that it was going to be materially higher than that. There is an ongoing negotiation between the hospital board representing the state and the contractor. Uh, there are hundreds of millions of euro under dispute. So far, the... Um, the, the, the person who determines that is called the employer's representative has um, decided in favour of the state to a, to a huge degree. So the final cost of the hospital is going to depend to a large extent on there's, there's nearly 700 million euro under dispute on, on, on essentially... And when will we know? It, that will go on all through next year. Um, several of the, the claims have now gone to the High Court. Uh, so it's going to take some time. My... My core focus here, obviously, we have to manage that, and the board is managing that on behalf of the state. My core focus is getting this hospital open. But you're saying we won't have a cost for the National Children's Hospital until the end of next year? Uh, 
we will have a cost for the children's hospital when the 700 million euro under dispute has been resolved. Uh, that could take some time. There's, there's the... Well, how long? That's what I'm wondering. It, it depends. So, for example, it's up to... But you said it will go all through next year. So it, can it, we expect that it could be the end of next year by the time we get a cost? By the time we get a final cost, it could be further than that. You know, some of the claims are before the courts. It's a matter for the courts to decide okay. uh, how long uh, how long that'll take. That's the Minister on Primetime last night. Jamie, I know you were listening to that and you were telling Ellie that, you know, that you're mad as hell about that as well. Well, I am, Fran, because um, it's been well known that, that the way these contracts have been given out in the yeah. past, that only certain companies could, could uh, apply for them. And these companies that form, I mean, I'll give you an example, in our centre, yeah, there was a, there was a, 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 um, a tender process where, where the lowest tender was, was given, was awarded to uh, a company and when the time they finished, they looked for double of what the, what the tender price was. The same thing has happened here many years later uh, at the National Children's Hospital. The government know that the, that the, the tendering process is, is, is faulty. In, in other words, that the, the, given the lowest price, is it always what they pay. And we're suffering the consequences of it here in the, the National Children's Hospital. It starts off at $700 million. Uh, it's widely known we're at 1.4 billion now at this stage, and it, it may not stop at 2 billion. But the minister couldn't answer a question last night as to what the final cost could be on a project that has it, that is, is an absolute disgrace. And, and, and also, friend, the hospital is built in the wrong place in the wrong yeah. part of Dublin. Yeah. Uh, it was built there because consultants, want, consultants wanted it to be mm. built there. And also, friend, <laughs> the biggest scandal of them all, and it hasn't even come out yet, is that there's a, ch- a private children's hospital will be built at taxpayers' expense on the top of that hospital. And the other thing that's happening there is that there is only 1,000 car parking spaces, of which only 300 of the car parking spaces are available to the staff for a hospital that has 5,000 5, uh, rooms in, it in terms of office rooms um, and, and, and patient rooms and beds and whatever else you have uh, to do with a hospital. So, I mean, the place, first of all, is in the wrong place. It's overpriced, and, and also there's going to be absolute chaos when it comes to uh, finding parking in there. Is there any answer to any of this, uh, do you think? I mean, because if, if, if there is, I can't uh, find it, uh, Shami. Accountability, Fran. If we yeah. can get accountability into our political system. As I, as I said, um, awards for these massive contracts uh, were, were designed in such a way that only certain companies could, could apply for them. And, and those companies, have, to be honest with you, have abused it, and um, they're allowed. An example: we, we were we were trying to contest some of the some of the claims that came in in Nina, and we were told that if uh, we were told that if we got a quantity surveyor, that that quantity surveyor wouldn't get wouldn't get work in this country again if they took them on. So that's that's what we're dealing with, right? And I mean, that's what has been that that, that was today and yesterday. So you know, these people have so much power that they go in and get these jobs, and they, they can charge what they want, and the government has been paying it up to now. But am I, am I very naive to compare this to a domestic situation? I mean, if I'm building a house in the morning and I go to a uh, to a builder, Shami, and we agree a price, and it may take a year, year and a half to build a house, but that's the price. Yeah, but the fan, that's the price because you're an ordinary guy. You know, these companies have too much power, um, and. Um, we're seeing them them waving the power. You know, they don't care about what government is in. They, they, they'll come in, do their building, and then hold up the building for a couple of years while, while they go through the courts with with, with extra cost or whatever. And, you know, the reality of it is, Brian, that happens probably in every um, um, big contract up and down the country. And uh, it, it's just not... It, it's just... This one now is, is, is 
core because at the end of the day, it's, it's the National Children's Hospital. It's been held up and the price has absolutely gone to the roof. And Brian, there's more to come. This, this famous pipe, the Eastern and Midlands pipe is open. Yeah. Yeah. We'll put the National General's Hospital to shame when, when it comes to uh, the cost, the, the, the absolute cost that it's going to cost. Because at the end, of, because at the moment, Irish Water are in England looking for funding for it, and not only are they looking for funding for it, friend, but they're actually now at the moment trying to cost up the thing. This is fast five years after they were supposed to go into work and all that, uh, with, with, with planning permission for the pipe. So you know the pipe hasn't got away either, friend. And 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 it's clocking up money all of the time. Cracking up money all the time because they're doing they're doing tests and of course they're paying consultants. Um, I think uh, there was about um, 154 million, 54 million, I think, put away just for testing, and uh, just for testing uh, the, the roof of the pipe, which which has more or less stopped at the moment. But because they're actively in England looking for funding uh, for projects like this, and. You know, this is a company, friend, that we were we were assured by by our government that we'd have uh, a referendum on the ownership of Irish mm. Water, but yet they're they're in England taking on debt at the moment. It's incredible, and this is to feed an infrastructure in Dublin that almost fifty percent of it is leaking. You know, it's... we're due to pump three hundred thirty million litres of treated water, treated and partying in Burt Hill, uh, about one hundred and twenty kilometres to Dublin, into pipes that are leaking three hundred million litres of treated water at the end of the ground. Right. All right, Shami. Thanks very much for coming on with us. Thanks, Shami. Thank you. Thank good, you very much. Good morning to you. That's uh, Councillor Shami Morris speaking to us there. 1800-938-007. Back in just a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Now, in reference to that uh, comment by Stephen Donnelly uh, blaming doctors and nurses for failing to deal with the overcrowding within hospitals, one of our listeners says another idiotic statement by a government representative, Fran. The fact is they closed hospitals like St. Bridget's and Carrick, uh, Cashel, uh, etc., funneling the growing population numbers into uh, less hospitals, causing mayhem for doctors and nurses. Also, Minister Rabbit's comments uh, making uh, a nonsense about immigration when the country is saturated with people and no services. And uh, that comes in from one of our listeners in Thurlis. Now, yesterday, we received a letter from a concerned mum to our dear Phil Slots about not being able to afford to take her kids to see Santa. And she was influenced by what she's seeing on social media and she was thinking, am I a bad mum? Because uh, just from a cost point of view, I'm not able to afford this. Well, Rachel joins me now. Rachel, good morning to you. Hiya, Fran. Good morning. Happy Christmas And many happy returns to you, Rachel, and lovely to talk to you. What are you making of that? The mum is feeling guilty because she can't afford these very expensive Santa visits uh, for the kids, and she's seeing all this wonderful stuff on social media, and she's feeling bad. I'm in the exact same position as her friend. Are you, Rachel? Wow. Absolutely. Every year, I've always brought, even when COVID opened up, 
um, where with the social distancing, the Santa experiences came back. But as an example, it's usually Ratwood that we've had to, mm. and it's gone up unbelievably in price. Mm. And it, to look at the experience, if it's just her and the three children, she's actually up at nearly €200 Euro before the fuel, before the photos, before the treats. It, like it, you're, you're talking about €300 Euro to get a photo of Santi. That is nuts. Well, Absolutely. Why would you do that well, with your Rachel, money? Rachel, ju- just, just to make that a bit more clear to me now, because obviously my kids are long grown up, so it's a long time <laughs> since I had Santa. If you bring one kid to see Santa at one of these, whichever grotto, we don't want to name particular ones, but yeah. roughly what would it cost for one kid to see Santa? It, depending on where it is, you're talking about €15 Euro up to about €30. Euro. You're also paying for the parent to go in for some of them. And some are even charging for under 12 months. Are you serious? How do you, yeah. how do you mean you're charged for the parent to go in? The parent has to pay for the experience as well. Oh my God. And that can be anything up to 35 euro, depending. Like, I'm sure there's cheaper, I'm sure there's higher. Yeah. I'm just giving a ballpoint. Yeah. Okay. So you, you're talking about this moment question, then it could cost her up to 300 euro. Exactly. For the three kids. Wow. In or about. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of money, yeah. all right, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely bonkers. Yeah. Because when I was reading the letter yesterday, that didn't dawn on me. And again, it's only been because it's so long since I was involved with that. But um, that's a, it's a lot of money. I can see where she's coming from now, all right. Yeah. And like it, it, the kids are happy. But like if you look at it from a logical point of view, it, like as an example, in Templemore, we had the turning on of the town lights mm-hmm. on Friday night. Yeah. And there's loads of different experiences. Like let's say... Turles Shopping Centre, mm. Santi can come and there's often the option to get a picture. Mm. So, you, like, you can do it in your own community without the actual big, huge experience that's crazy. And, like, some of them, yeah, you might pay for the photo, it might be 10 euro, whatever, for the photo, but that's the same photo. There's no difference. The memory for the child is, is, is the same. They thought, yeah. exactly, correct. Yeah, because she, she says in the letter that she did attend a local party in the town or village and that did feature a visit from Santa. The kids seem to be happy enough with that. She's, yeah. she's kind of comparing her own situation to what she's seeing on social media. It, it, well, what it is that it's kind of like the big parties for the communion and the confirmation, Fran. I think, it, like, you have to look at what has become social norms mm. and, it, like, what's influencing that. The influencer isn't actually the children and the children saying, I want, I want, mm. I want to go, such and such is going at school, whatever it is. It's actually, it has become the society norm. There's key... Uh, bullet times all around the year, the Halloween costumes, Mm -hmm. Christmas, the birthdays, where people see that and they forget you're seeing the the lovely, fluffy side. Mm. (laughs) Nobody's, nobody's, rarely you'll see anyone post to say, 
bit of bad side or something that's not quite so good on a social media platform because it's the old adage that uh, we'll share the good, we won't share the bad. So that's there, you know. Yeah, but the, 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 the and can you see what she's talking about when she speaks about her own guilt, for example, uh, Rachel? Does, does that ring a bell with yeah. you? Yeah. Absolutely. Like mm. any parent, she's obviously, she loves her children very, very much because she does say in it that, like, she feels she's letting them down, okay? Mm. And what she means by that is that the standard quality, the background of this Santa experience, it's obviously, if you're paying for an experience, there's a lot more coming with it a lot of the time than if you don't do it. And while, like, it'll vary depending on, like, for years and times more, Weed Murphy's pharmacy did a Santa experience, mm. and I went to that with the kids mm. until we didn't have it anymore. Mm. It depends. It'll vary from different ones. She could stumble upon one that's absolutely brilliant it'll be the reaction of the children and she's probably thinking okay they're happy with the santi but i'm not getting the santa experience reaction because there's going to be extra there's additional if like if different businesses are putting on a santi experience they're competing with other santi experiences and uh, like the price may or may not reflect the quality and what goes with it so, it, like, it seems to be the overall experience that I think she's referring to. Yeah, because one of her listeners on to say, um, you don't have to spend big money on Santa. I took my kids to Care Tidy Town Santa. They each got a lovely prezi and yeah. uh, they met the four elves and Mrs. Claus in a lovely grotto. And then you can take the there picture you with your own phone and all of that. And and the kids were delighted, I believe. So, yeah. 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 And even on that, like, I was over in Ross Gray the weekend and they have the manger up in the town square, which is beautiful, yeah. with it, like Mary baby Jesus I just put the boys standing at either side for a photo and they were ecstatic because they'd never seen a crib that big and I was like boys you actually have yeah we've and, seen and no, them like, no cost Rachel no cost. no cost in the middle of Rosebury town right yeah right. it's beautiful it's actually worth the drive just to look at it. Do it's you, really, really well done. Do you yeah, know if you, if, you, if you pay the full whack, what, what is the gift from Santa like? Is it is it substantial or is it...? No. Uh, it, it, it will, again, the more you go up in price, the, the okay. better it will be. The more be. generous Santa is, I see. <laughs> yes, uh, yes. yes. Right, uh, okay. the, elves, the elves seem to have had more time. Um <laughs> Uh, to look at like look at an in between experience where you're looking at give or take about two hundred outside of the feud, the fuel, all of that, they might get a little teddy bear or they might get a toy that could be anywhere between two euro to maybe five euro right, right. eight euro in value. 
Right. Uh, so, and, and again, Margaret was on and she was making the point that, you know, there's different costs for different Santas and different grottos and all sorts of stuff. And she said, uh, yeah. we're bringing our two grandchildren to Santa. The present, the photograph for the four of us, it was just 50 euros. So there's different experiences and different costs uh, depending yeah. on where you're going, I guess, Rachel. Yeah. It is, but again, if you look at different platforms of social media, you can actually, like, as an example, like the lighting of the lights in Tantamore, you have the manger over in Rosbray that's huge. It's bigger than the children, which is a huge thing at their age. Like Mind Temple 2, he are doing a tractor run on Saturday with all the tractors lit up. You can actually make the entire Christmas experience magical with very little money. Well, that's very, very good advice indeed. Are you Christmassy yourself, Rachel? I mean, do you look forward to it or is it sort of kids' time? Oh. For you? <laughs> I, I love it. I do love you? the lights. Yeah, I love the music. <laughs> I'll play it with the kids. Like just to hear them jingle bells or... When they get to silent night, <laughs> holy night, and then you get la, 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 and it just brings you back to your own childhood when, you know, you like the jingle bells, it took you a little longer to get into the silent night, so, yeah. Yeah. And all of that can be done very, very cheaply, very, and it's yeah. easy to, like, every phone now, you can upgrade photos. Yes, yeah. If you're not paying for it, do you know? Yes, yeah, and you can add all sorts of bits and pieces to the photographs and all of that as well. Rachel, can I wish you yeah. and your family a happy Christmas? Lovely to talk to you, and thank you for singing to me this morning as well. That, that really <laughs> added to the experience, Rachel. Uh, well, you'll have, to, you'll have to run that and see how many turned off when I do this, friend. <laughs> not a bit of it, not a bit of it. Bye-bye, Rachel. Bye-bye, Dove. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank Bye. you. That's Rachel speaking to us there about the Santa experience. Um, Fiona was on to say, the Irish went abroad really grinds my gears, Fran. There is no comparison between people who uh, go away to work and make their own way and those who rip up their documents on arrival and present to the authorities for a handout. Can people not see the difference and the absolute absurdity of that argument? And that's Fiona Kennedy. Thanks for that, Fiona. It, it galls me a little bit when I hear that put forward as an argument, to be honest with you, because those of us who are familiar with how the Irish abroad, you know, work their asses off and uh, often under extreme circumstances uh, as well. And indeed, dare I say, that uh, the late great Shane McGowan documented uh, the paddies abroad, as they were known, and uh, the difficulties that they that they went through. But they, boy, did they work. Boy, did they work. 83 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. We're staying with that uh, letter from the mum who said that uh, every time she looks at social media, she sees pictures from people who have taken their kids to all these different Santa experiences all over the place, as she says. And, um, well, the story is that she just can't afford those kind of experiences for her kids, and she's feeling uh, guilty. Fiona is with me. Good morning, Fiona. Hi, Fran. How are you doing? I'm very well indeed, Fiona. You think parents need to cop on, Fiona? 
Yeah, I really do. I think we all need to cop on. I include myself in that. I have four young lads and now look at they're 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 gone they're gonna be big centres concentrate more on the younger ones these days. Mm. But I know when my lads were, were getting were were at that stage, we went into the likes of Duns, Tesco, wherever there was a centre, that's where we brought them. Mm. And I know, like I have a sister now with very small children and cousins with small children, they're bringing them to these magical Santa experiences. And listen, that's great. That's absolutely fine. If that's what you want to do and you're happy to do that, then that's great. But we all put ourselves under savage pressure at this time of year. If you're working full time and every Bob these days that comes into the house is very precious and doesn't go that far, and we're putting ourselves under pressure then to spend maybe a couple of hundred euro on a day out, two weeks before Christmas, when we're probably already dropping a small fortune on other gifts and things for for people. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely crazy. And the one thing that struck me was, you know, when we I see those photos all over Facebook, I'm I'm laughing to myself because I'm going, I know for an absolute fact, and I defy anyone to tell me I'm wrong, that there were probably a hundred photos taken that day, ninety nine percent of which were the mother, because it would be me snarling at them smile <laughs> smile look at the camera Will you stop acting like him and my husband would be the worst defender because it's the last is I think like a lot of men he would want to be and um, you know he's there through, his smile is probably more gritted teeth than anything else like we all put out the shop front on Facebook of course uh, you know yeah. I, I mean I could wax lyrically about how much I love my children yeah. and then in an absolute other breath how I'd love to walk out the gate and never come back or at least have, have, have a week off or something, you know. Yes. There's none of us put the, 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 the fighting and the bickering that goes on in every family. Yes, of course. Every normal family on Facebook. So I think people need to take a step back, especially when your kids are small. An awful lot of people are bringing children to Santa. They don't even know where their own nose is at that yeah. stage. It's more for them, and that's fine. That's absolutely fine. Those memories are gorgeous. Those photos are gorgeous. But if you, like me, are under pressure to keep all the plates spinning, keep all the bills paid, keep everyone happy, then just take a step back and just try and de-stress some of the situation. And for me, that was saying to my boys when they were smaller, you won't get everything you want, but you'll always have everything you need. And that has been my mantra with them since day one. Do they need me to drop money that I can't afford to spend on bringing them on this big day out to get one photo that I can post on Facebook to prove what a happy family we are? No. I'd much rather sacrifice the pay of a day's work and mm. stay at home with them and hope it's flogging rain outside while we're cozied up in front of the fire watching Elf or drinking hot chocolate and eating marshmallows or whatever. We just all need to cop on a little bit and maybe... And also, I heard someone there... Uh, speaker earlier speaking about tractor runs. Mm. I'm just pulled up on the side of the road here now outside our beautiful village, Tenolte. Mm. And they just had a magical experience there at the weekend. They had the live crib. You know, that's all free for people to go to. You go and you make a small donation. and um, You pop in there and it's an absolutely magical experience. I know that in Nossa Villa, our neighbouring parish over the road, Santa came. I know he's busy this time of year. He came to the hall in Nakavilla. The kids had an amazing day. And I know that over in Bursley, my hometown, um, they turned on the lights there recently. Santa always pops in and makes a visit there. They're the kinds of things that the children remember. And I know that 
I, I mean, I do feel like I can say this with authority, that if you were to give a, ch- a child a choice between wandering around holding mummy or daddy's hand around watching Christmas lights being turned on, a live crib, all the magic that is all the tractors. I, as an adult, it brings tears to my eyes to see all the tractors lit up, which is crazy. And mm. because the whole scene is just magical. If you were to give a child a choice between that or between shoehorned into a car to sit in traffic trying to get into Dublin for two and a half hours, mummy and daddy at each other's throats because they're normal. And it, it, I think you'd, you'd, you'd pick the local low-key I, I, I think you would too and you describe it also very well Fiona and funnily enough in her letter she says that she had a local experience like you described the kids were That's delighted right. with it everybody yeah. was delighted with it in fact the kids are not driving this she's driving it herself because she's looking at social media yeah. and falling for all of that and, and falling for it is the exact right word I mean when I see like people my friends on Facebook they laugh at me when it's, it, I never post birthdays or anniversaries or any of that codswallop on Facebook. Mm. But I'm not saying it's, I'm saying for me it's codswallop. Mm. Let people do what they, they want to do. I never do any of that stuff because I can guarantee you while I'm praising my husband to the hills and he's our rock and, and he is all of those things. Mm. He works mm. it's Dennis, like he works so hard. Everything he does for us, he's, he's fantastic. Um, but I can guarantee you I was taking the head off him five minutes before for the towels on the floor in the bathroom <laughs> or even the toilet seat up or two paste all over the sink or even all this crap on the counter when he comes in. Do you know? I know. Around, I know. But sure, that's, you know, real, that's real stuff. You know, real. Step stuff. away from Facebook. Stop trying to compete or compare with other people. Because in my experience, I, don't, I wouldn't even try because I'll always be the loser. And you look at these people and you think, oh my God, they're so happy. I bet they never fight like we do. <laughs> Listen, our house, it's like a, a prison riot at times, friend. But it's, it, like, there's nothing we wouldn't do for each other. We absolutely all adore each other. But Jesus, Mary and Joe, you could walk in. Uh, Fran, I remember when my two boys were small, right? Mm. My two older boys, Killian and Connor, they're 20 and 19 now. And we were, um, we were living in our old house at the time. And the two boys, I was literally on my last nerve with them. They're about maybe five and six. And I went, right, that's it. Get outside. And I don't want to see you again until I come looking for you. And I was on them outside my door. And in the very next breath, two neighbours walked in the door that were selling tickets for something. And I went, oh, well, how are you? I said, you here? Look, you were here a minute ago. I was killing the dog. He's under my feet there all day. Had to hunt him out the door. <laughs> you know, like, but oh, are my boys scared yeah. by that experience? They're not. They're used to me hopping off them. And you know what? <laughs> they turned into grand young lads because I've hopped off them. Stay away from social media. Stop trying to be who you aren't. Stop spending money that you don't have. Have a look around you and just maybe weigh up what matters to me and spend your time on that. Do you know, Fiona, that's the best piece of advice I've heard on this programme in a long, long time. And we're delighted yeah, very with it today. Fiona, my... my husband will tell you I'm full of great advice. <laughs> <laughs> I, must, I must have a pint with him and find out. Uh, Fiona, happy Christmas to you and all of yours. Thanks, Doug. You Thank and, Fra- and Fran, I'm a relatively new listener to Tip FM, purely, purely because of circumstance. Yes. I now cannot miss... Um, uh, uh, Andrew in the mornings or yourself. I have the headphones in. I'm working below there in Cash and March during the day and I have my headphones in and I'm listening to you and I absolutely love all the shows and I find that I've listened to the afternoon. So 
You've a very devoted listener well, now, and I, I love Robert Souls. So keep up the good work. D- delighted to have you, and you're working with my lovely friend Alison there in the March That's as well. That's right, yeah. I am indeed. You can imagine the conversation. Oh, in the listen, room. I can just imagine. You're, you're, you're talkers. Fiona, thank you, and good morning to you. Bye bye. Happy Christmas to you all and to all your, all your uh, listeners. Many happy bye returns bye. to you. Bye bye to you now, Fiona. Let's go to, uh, to Deirdre now. Deirdre, good yeah. morning to you. Good morning, oh, Deirdre. Good morning. How are you this morning, Deirdre? Full of a head cold. Full, oh, you poor thing. You poor yeah. thing. God, it's the last thing you'd want at this time of the year. What yeah. are you making of this moment being influenced by social media and all of that, Deirdre? Well, like that other lady who talked, who spoke a, lo- a load of um, great, uh, who gave great advice mm. there. Um, yeah, literally the same as her. Come off Facebook. Come off all those social medias. Because they, I don't think half, I'd say 99% of them are not true. Yeah. You know, they could. You can't be living a life like that. The dream and this, and you can't be living that. Most households have. Um, most households just get on with yeah. it, and yeah. uh, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, most households will just get on with it at Christmas, and I hope no one goes into debt for Christmas because it's just not worth it. But we do it's every every it. year, Deirdre. We spend a fortune. You know, I was reading that. Yeah, yeah. small fortune. You yeah. can be sure, but some of it is debt. My girls now are big. Uh, my eldest girl is, is thirty three, mm. and um, she will still talk about when she was younger and when we went places, and those places. Um, they didn't. I know they didn't cost money because when she was small, I'm talking when she was six, you didn't have these big Santy places. You didn't have. Mm. We just probably went into town when Santy was coming down O'Connell Street. Uh, the lights were on. We mm. took loads of photographs, and that's what she looks back on now: photographs. And, and they're, they're her memories. Loves them. Yeah. Yes, yeah. It has nothing to do with money. Yeah. Okay, us as parents do love to give our children maybe what we didn't have. Mm. Um, or what they want but I don't think there's a need for it all I but, read but Deirdre, not. what I'm reading into this letter is that it's more about what the mum wants as an experience but the kids seem to be fine about this you know they. but you see that's, that's mothers isn't it we all mm. we want what we want the best for our children yeah you know we want the best for them and Sometimes, of course, that involves a lot of money if children are looking for things, which yeah. children always look for things. They always look for things. Um, mm. When my daughter was small, uh, she has autism, okay? And when she was small, what she looked for was 12 euros of a, a present. That's what she didn't know the value euro. of money. Oh, wow. 12 euros. She she wanted what she wanted and just 12 euros. Right. And why 12? Or That's just what she wanted. That's just what, that's what she picked God. out. Isn't that amazing? You know, so they don't. Yeah. yeah. No, they don't um, need. Uh, My God. And and do you know what you both alluded to there? And I, I I'd love you to just finally talk to me about this. Isn't it always the mums really that that end up with the pressure of this? <laughs> yes. Because I, I can't ever remember. I have to hold my own hands up. I can't ever remember organising a Santa Day or a Santa. Do you know? No. No. Yeah. Well, I suppose. <clears throat> I suppose years ago. Okay. I suppose. The mothers took on, didn't they? All the role, everything, yes, of everything. Mm. Yeah. yeah, husbands yeah. were out working, and you know, yeah. we just took on the role of everything. But I give you a laugh. My husband comes along Christmas Eve and says to me, "Are we sorted for the girls?" <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, I love it. Are yeah. we sorted? <laughs> Are we sorted? Yeah. I love him. Is he related to me by any chance? Huh? <laughs> a bit late on Christmas Eve to be asking you that, isn't it? Oh, that's the best comment I've heard. Are we sorted for Christmas? I love it. You look after that cold, dear Dwayne. Lovely to talk to you today. No problem. Thanks, Bye. Dear. Thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Are we sorted for Christmas? I love it. Um, news is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Shop. Tip today. With Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat. Uh, welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today, 1800 <laughs> It's Christmas in Thales. Indeed it is. And uh, that is your cue to text our WhatsApp. We have those two wonderful uh, 50 euro vouchers uh, to give away by celebration, by way of celebration indeed, of the fact that Christmas shopping in Thurles is booming. Um, lots of people on to us about Deirdre and Fiona and saying how sensible they were and they got a bit of a laugh out of them as well. So thank you for that. Um, all right, then let us move on because we've been discussing an Irish COVID inquiry that could have its terms of reference drawn up very soon as the testimony of former Prime Minister in the UK, Boris Johnson, uh, was broadcast to the world. The British investigation into the official handling of the pandemic has been ongoing in public for several weeks after months of discovery relating to documents and reports and phone reports and WhatsApp messages and uh, the like. One of our listeners, uh, Joe, was in touch and uh, joins us now. Joe, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Lovely to talk to you, Joe. You were listening to our conversation about this, Joe. What, what do you make of it? Well, I, I, I think, first of all, the four people you had on your panel had different views. And some of it, to me, was a slight bit flippant, but one of them saying that, you know, people go into an old folks' home because when they go in, they know they're not coming out anywhere. Mm. And I think... To say that, I think what we're really talking about when you go into a care home or anywhere like that is about quality of life and about being looked after. And I don't think you go in there to get other people, you know, sent in who had COVID and lost a lot of lives, you know. But having said that, I think Ireland seems to fare better out of it than what we did in England. Mm. And mm. as much as having an inquiry, I think having a review on the Irish side of it, would be better. Because if you have a review and you see what went well and how you can improve, then you, for the, if, God forbid, if anything ever happened like it again or any other major disaster, you'd be able to look back and think, well, we've done that well, we didn't do that too well, and how are we going to improve on it? And do you, do you think England, there's a danger of a review or an investigation or however you might describe it, Joe, that it would turn into some sort of political football, I suppose, you know, particularly when we're approaching several elections. Yeah, I suppose whatever happens, people will try and um, gain points out of it one way or another. Mm. But I think the difference is between England and Ireland, the English one is a political football because 
it was a disaster from the world go. For sure, yeah. Tell me about you your know, experience of uh, COVID in England, because you have some personal experience of that, Joe. Yeah, we did. I mean, first of all, I think the thing that will always stick in my mind is a few months into it, I was driving uh, down to Eastbourne and I happened to pass the crematorium and I saw a, a coffin going into the crematorium with no family. Just nobody, just the undertaker. My God. And it just stuck in my head. I think, my God, there's someone, you know, going to another life or wherever and nobody there to say farewell. God, that must have been and a then, very stark image, Joe. I, I, you know what, Fran? If anything will ever stick in my mind, yeah. that would stick in my mind. Because for some reason, I just, I stopped and I just looked and went, this is terrible. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. But we lost um, a family member in Dorset. Mm. Uh, she had been sick. She had terminal cancer and she'd been sick. And I'd been going up and down to see her every two weeks. Uh, and when she died, uh, she died at home. So she was lucky. She had her son with her when she died. Mm. And I was there. And the thing about it was the undertaker thought that she could have 30 people at the funeral. Uh, no singing, people were masked, so on and so forth. And on the day of the funeral, the son panicked because he said to me, Joe, he said, there's 34 people here. And I said, well, I said, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, I said, we didn't, you know, he invited people. You know, in my case, he said, would I come? But my partner couldn't mm. come because if she didn't come, it meant someone else that was close to of course, yes. my relative could come. So we kept it down to the bare minimum. And on the day, um, 34 people turned up and he was panicking. And I said, there's nothing you can do. I said, you know, and his panic was, what happens if the police turn up? I said, you know, there's nothing, you've done all you can and no more than that can you do. But uh, it was the strangest funeral I was ever at because you couldn't sing, you couldn't, there was no hymns, nothing else. And at the end of it, we all came out and left, went home. I drove back to Eastbourne. Uh, through our drive, everyone else, some, her brother went to Wales and everyone just left. No food, no nothing, just gone. And then you find out a year and a half afterwards, while you were doing all this, Mr. Johnson and his crew were having a party. In Downing and, Street. And does, yeah. yeah, and it does make you angry to say, you know, you're making fools of people, absolute fools. Uh, and that's, I think, the difference between what went on in England and Ireland. Now, having said that, I do know there was a party or a golfing yeah, tournament. Yeah, golf, golf games whatever, in Clifton, in yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I mean, those sort of people should have been disciplined. And when I say disciplined, remember the public, they should have lost their jobs. Member of, of public life, they should have lost their jobs. Yeah. Well, and in, the in the case way, of the minister, in fairness, he, he, he resigned his ministry and stuff. He did, you know, so, yeah. he did in yeah. fairness. Where, in the case of anyone in England, everyone denied... You know, it's not happening. There is no party. And then 12 months afterwards, it comes out in the tabloids that not only was the parties, it was people sleeping in offices because they were so drunk. Yeah, and we saw videos of the dancing and all the shenanigans and all of that as well. Yeah, yeah and, and it, it was a strange time. I mean, I didn't get home for two years to see my family. Uh, we, we didn't get home. And after a year, I think just 10 months, I got back to France because... The house was that we, our plan was we were going to go to France and then we got locked down and we couldn't go. Mm. So we were we were in Eastbourne and 
the day. I remember the day we went to go to France. We had done our, our um, COVID test. We got our certificates. And we went to um, New Haven to get in the boat. There was 12 cars on the boat and two vans. And I remember it was one of the most furious things ever getting on that boat. Massive big boat with 14 vehicles on it and just a few people wandering around. You know, and, and it was... It was yeah. Strange times. Strange e- even time. the what? way you describe uh, your nephew, though, as, as being so concerned that there was four extra people at a funeral. Mm. Y- mm. You know, when we think back on these times, it, it, it was incredible, it, wasn't it? I, I don't know what martial law ever looked like or anything like that, but, you know, you were told you can't go any further than five miles or whatever it was from your house, right? Yeah. Now, we were lucky here because we're right at the bottom of the Sussex Downs, so we could go walking, take the dog and go for hours, right. because yeah. no one, you were up there on your own. But, you know, when I was driving down to see my cousin in Dorset when she wasn't well, I was always thinking, what happens if the police will stop me? Because I'm gone 150, 160 miles away from my house. And I was thinking, what will happen if they say to me, what are you doing? And I would have tell them the truth. What I'm doing is I'm going to see somebody who has got no one left, you know, and no one can go and see her. And um, yeah, and, was, and again, in scary. parallel, we heard the stories of Dominic Cummins, um, who who was going to his holiday home, who was driving to his Yeah, home. he went to Barnard Castle to get his eyes tested, he yeah. said. You know, and, but then again, there was nothing about it. Boris Johnson stood up and said, I believe him. Right. You know, let's move on. You know, Matt Hancock, the Minister for Health, was up to every sort of shenanigans. And, yeah. you know, he resigned. He had to resign. He had no choice but to resign. Yes. Uh, but it, it was, you know, it was absolute over here. And the thing about over here was they were clapping themselves on the back for doing such an excellent job. It was only 12 or 15 months later it all came out that this thing actually was a complete and utter disaster. They were saying, oh, you know, we we got COVID um, sorted, we got all the vaccinations done, we, we've done everything we could. As a matter of fact, per head of population, Britain had a, had a very, very high death rate. And then, we, and then we had, um, you know, uh, an apology, as if that wiped away everything that they did. In fact, the current Prime Minister um, of Great Britain, when you think about it, Rishi Sunak as well, I mean, he was responsible for that sort of uh, go back to the restaurants thing, wasn't he? And uh, Yeah, he eat out for 50%. He was on the inquiry yesterday, and his view was, well, it didn't do anything wrong. You know, it didn't kill people, it didn't cause any trouble. And when he was asked about his WhatsApp messages, he said, oh, I lost them. Because four months earlier, he was getting a court order to stop people looking at his WhatsApp messages. So what happened in the four months? How come he was getting a court order to prevent people from looking at them if he had lost them? But wouldn't you you lose all faith in in hierarchy and in politicians. When you hear that sort of nonsense, do do they take us for fools, Joe? Well, I think that they, they see us on a different level, and I think they look at it as if you do what um, 
I, I say and not what I do. And I think they have now come to the, the point, especially with this government at the moment in England, they've come to the point where they don't care anymore. They've gone beyond care. I think they think they're, in some ways, um, untouchable. Yeah, and of course you know, they're 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 pretty much done as a government as well, aren't they? I mean, by the looks of it, it's going to be well, a Labour uh, Labour government. The question is, are they? Because you know there, there was talk the other day about Boris Johnson and uh, Nigel, Nigel Farage, Farage getting, yeah. to, getting together to uh, to, to uh, be part of the Conservative mm. Party. Now, as much as anyone in the right mind would say, I wouldn't vote for them. You know, it's like you talking the other day about the boxer who wants to become the president. Yes. Yeah. What's his name? Um, uh, and people would say, I wouldn't vote for him. Yeah. But you see, people are disillusioned. And people would think, well, there can't be any worse than the clowns that's there already. So why not vote that's for the, What you're saying to me now is very interesting. Are you saying that, I mean, if Farage and Johnson got together as some wing of the Conservatives and put out a populist message out there... Do you think the people of Britain would fall for that again? I mean, particularly I when you look at what happened with Brexit. I say, oh yeah, but people still. I mean, I live in Eastbourne, and eighty percent of the people of Eastbourne voted for Brexit. And if you went into the town of Eastbourne today and asked them how was Brexit, they tell you it's going very well. Wow. Because the population here is over the age of of 60, 65, a lot of them yeah. in their 70s and that, you know? And if you ask them, how was Brexit about? Going very well. Going very well, you know? Uh, and when you look, when you bring it down to, you know, we'll get control of our borders, mm-hmm. things have never been as bad as far as the immigration is concerned. Uh, you know, we'll control our businesses. It'll be easy to get in and out of Europe. It's not easy to get in and out of Europe, you know, especially as a business. You try and export stuff to Europe, it's very, very hard. It's to very hard indeed. Businesses. And you'd wonder where those those other markets, uh, whether they have emerged in the same way that the, the British people were promised as well. But it, it, it's interesting. Are, are you saying to me, kind of in the roundabout way as well, Joe, if we think we're bad here, we should look to Britain, really? No, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, Britain is in, is in a poor state at the moment. Britain is in a poor state. I mean... I've never seen I've never seen things as bad over here as they are at the moment. And I've been here thirty three, thirty four years, and I've never seen things as bad. And do you mean in terms but of morale or morale is bad. Financially, economically it's not as great as what they're saying it is. Uh unlike Ireland in, in some ways, if you want staff to do uh catering staff or anything like that or cares you can't get them because mm. the Eastern European people went home. Mm. Uh, rightly so, they were told, well, you're not wanted. Mm. So they went home. And now they're saying is, if you want to come in here, because they've now come up with uh, a new policy where instead of earning, I think it was 28,000, you've now had to earn 36,000 per annum to come in and, and work here. Now, no carer or no one working in a restaurant gets 36,000 per annum. So therefore, what you're doing is you are making it harder for these businesses to get people to come and work. Because English people, put the suspect them, they ain't going to go and pick the fruit, they ain't going to go and work in restaurants, mm-hmm. and they definitely ain't going to work in care homes. Yeah, and we have, we have very similar issues here, God knows. Uh, that's, that's, exactly, uh, that's, exactly. That's for sure. But it is, 
things over here at the moment are pretty bad. And the only thing I can say, you said to me about, would it be possible that Johnson and Farage could form a government? Mm. Believe me that there is a, a certain, I don't really want to call them a right wing, but there is people to that sort of, you know, let's get Brexit done mentality and let's keep the immigrants out mentality that would vote Boris Johnson back in again tomorrow morning. And fi- especially in the and finally, and fi- oh, of course, and finally, Joe. Before I let you go, do you know what I find something else is 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 is, is amazing? Is I look on a lot of uh, British sites and uh, stuff. There, there's an emergence again of old videos and of old sound bites of Enoch Powell, uh, big mm. time on social media now at the moment, with with mm-hmm. a lot of people that weren't even born uh, when when he reigned supreme. Um, that are looking back to these days and saying, wasn't he right? And, you know. If someone had a poster up the other day, and I can't remember the word of it, but it was a poster from uh, the National Front right, about immigration and taking control and everything else. And when you look at it, it's the exact same uh, wording of what the Conservative Party is saying today. That the streets were run with blood and all of this kind of stuff, yeah. Yeah, and bearing in mind that there was a Conservative Party that said that uh, the National Front should be an illegal organisation. And now the people have voted for the National Front are now voting for the Conservative Party. So it's, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Joe, it was fascinating to talk to you. And thanks so much for making time for me, Joe. No problem, fan. Have a lovely Christmas uh, to you and everyone in Tipperary. Uh, and many happy returns to you and your family, Joe. Thanks very much indeed for that. 1800-938-007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie It's time to... Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Now, over the last few days, we've been talking about funerals, and it was prompted by the incredible scenes in Nina at the funeral of Shane McGowan, people dancing in the aisles of the church, uh, while many found it refreshing and maybe more reflective, indeed, of an Irish funeral in terms of cultures. Um, Others were critical that it was vastly different to the religious uh, funerals that uh, we often um, come across. Now, Tom joins me now. Tom, good morning to you. Hello, friend. Hello, thank and good to talk to you, Tom. You sent us a, you sent us a wonderful essay on the funeral, and I'll get to that in a moment. But I'm wondering, what did you make of Shane's funeral, Tom? Um, yeah, I thought it was okay. I suppose in general, maybe we could say it was overdone, but you can't overdo funeral, I suppose. Yeah, um, I saw most of it, you know. But, uh, yeah. I suppose yeah, it was really hard to describe. It went on so long, and uh, you know. It wasn't like any funeral I ever saw or heard before. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, in terms of the exuberance of it and people dancing and people singing along and, um, you know, the various eulogies and all of that, you were you comfortable with it, Tom? Uh, probably, but uh, his wife's eulogy seemed to drag on and uh, 
I wasn't overly impressed by that, but anyway. And what was it, the content of what Victoria said? Was uh, that? I don't really know. It was just the wrong time, but I suppose she did her best. Yeah, yeah. And do you think it has set a precedent? I mean, do you think people will be going to their parish priest now and saying, well, I want to use such and such a song or I want to speak for X amount of time because, you know, well, it happened at Shane's funeral, so it should happen at ours. Uh, I don't, I'm not so sure it's going to set a trend. I think we'll carry on as before. Do you think so? I think so, yeah. Yeah. You you sent us an essay um, from, you, you. do you know what, what year that's from, by the way, Tom? I have no idea. It was probably B.C., before Korea, before Korea, I have no idea. <laughs> it's, it's it seems to, but still, it seemed to be, um, you know, a very complete funeral as well. In that there was a lot attached to it, and there was a lot of pomp and ceremony to it as well. I suppose in its day, yeah, would probably call it pomp and ceremony as well. You know, yeah. But I, I was amazed that even it describes how following the funeral, it says the priest drove off in the car before the hearse, which was uh, followed by a motor car. And then it describes how the grave was opened and the kind of kind of grave it, it was. It's, it's an incredible piece, really, isn't it? Oh, it was fascinating, yeah. It's one of a lot of uh, essays. In a, it's an old school book. I found it in my father's house recently, so... Yeah. He kept a lot of old stuff, and they're, they're fascinating, really, you know. But even the even the last paragraph on it, Tom, it says, one by one the mourners left and last to leave uh, were the relatives, and on the way home it was pleasant to feel that um, we had helped to perform a corporal work of mercy. It's a long time since I heard that expression, a corporal work of mercy. <laughs> I, I didn't hear it since primary school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But again, it's that notion that whoever wrote the essay... They feel that they were part of the ceremony and, you know, that they had done their duty, I suppose, in terms of uh, looking after the family and mourning along with the family. Of course, yeah, but that's the way it was, I suppose. In certain ways, maybe, it might have been even more intimate. I don't really know, but, um, you know, I suppose, it's very interesting. It, it, it's, um, I really like the, as you said, the whole idea, the, the, the context and the content of course, yeah. There are similarities with uh, Shane's funeral because it describes the hearse has been drawn by, by two horses. Um, so it's it's kind of interesting that we went back to that, particularly with the Dublin portion of, of Shane's funeral and the the coffin was drawn by, by horses. So that's that's kind of interesting as well. Uh, Tom, great to talk to you today and thanks very much indeed. Okay, thanks, Brian. Okay. Happy Christmas to you, Tom, to you and yours. Yeah. and. Uh, Nice, nice to hear from you today as well. Um, Tammy joins me now. Good morning to you, Tammy. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well, Tammy. But first of all, condolences uh, to you because your your own dad passed away about one, about six or seven weeks ago, was six it? Six weeks ago, yeah. Six weeks ago, Fran. My God. We're devastated and heartbroken because daddy was a big part of our lives. God, you must, you must have been... Had he been sick for, for a time, Tammy? A month. We were up in the north on our annual holiday and he got to see the Giants Causeway. We came home the 30th of September and he went into hospital on the 1st of October and he passed away the 30th of October. It was very rapid. You said to us in your correspondence you've never felt grief like this before. No. I have lost my mother and my brother and yes, I miss 
lost them and I cried over them and what the grief I have for daddy has me knocked in my tracks. Um, it's the worst I've ever felt. And is that because you had a particularly close relationship with him? We had a very close relationship with did, yeah. Daddy was part of my life and my children's lives 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, we were in contact every day. We were up with him. He was up with us. We went on holidays. We went for meals out. Everything revolved around with Daddy, revolved around his family. Do you know that sort of way? He was a very, very good daddy and a very good granddad. I know it's not much consolation to you when you're grieving, but I mean, they're, they're lovely memories uh, yeah. to have, Tammy. And in time, I suppose you'll be able to indulge in them without getting too upset, I suppose. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, t- tell me about the ceremony, if you would, uh, because yeah. I know that your local priest was, was very kind and very good to you. Daddy, um, Daddy lived in Torles 60 years, but Daddy's heart was in his home parish of Upper Church. And when Daddy passed, we decided, myself and my brother, that we would bring him back to Upper Church for his mass and that sort of stuff. Um, now, I have to say, Father Joe Walsh and Thurlis was brilliant to us too. Mm-hmm. He said beautiful prayers with us in the funeral home. But when Daddy got sick, um, we were told, you know, it wasn't going to, he wasn't going to get better. And I wanted a priest to bless him, but I didn't want to scare him. So I asked Father Tony Ryan from Upper Church if he would come because Daddy was part of the active retirement in Upper Church and the historical journal. Daddy did an awful lot. He was very much involved with the parish. So Father Tony came to us and he blessed Daddy and um, he came every week to visit Daddy in the four weeks Daddy was in the hospital. Um, So when the time came for Daddy's funeral, we decided we'd want to bring him back and we asked Father Tony and he said, yeah, that was perfect. A gentleman let us pick what we wanted to bring as symbols and as many symbols as he wanted or we wanted. Um, Daddy had uh, great-grandnephews and nieces and each one of them were able to bring up different things that represented Daddy. Um, There was no... Uh, you know, you couldn't only bring two or three. We could bring as much as we wanted. We could mm. speak about each symbol, what it meant. Um, the choir were friends of Daddy, so they sang beautiful hymns and stuff. Um, we were allowed to speak after the ceremony and, and talk about Daddy and, um, you know, give our share of what we felt he loved about his parish and he, um, his family and, and stuff. But it was a celebration of Daddy's life, where it was, you know, we were missing him and, and I miss him awful. We were able to bring out what our dad meant to us and who he was, not just, well, I've been to funerals and, you know, you, you can't speak after it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you can't, you, like, it's very impersonal and, like... I was watching a bit of Shea McGowan's funeral and I thought, my God, that's a celebration of life. And that's how I felt we did with Daddy too. We celebrated um, my dad and say like, um, my dad was a very quiet man, uh, but a pure rock of a man. And he'd be always in your corner and he'd be the first person that'd be there if somebody needed something without having to be asked. And the day of Dad's reposal, 
we knew he played cards in Upper Church on a on a Wednesday night and we knew he played cards in Drumban on a Monday night and like mm. I said he was part of the active retirement and he was part of the journal up there. But people that came in, young chats and said, Oh, we play cards with him, he was a lovely man. Like there was part of that he we didn't didn't know, if you know what I mean, but it was so yeah. nice yeah. for people to come and tell us what a nice man he was because we all think our own are nice. Do you know what I mean? Yes, but to hear and other all, people endorse that is fantastic. Yes, me, and it? that yeah. was it. And and we felt that he got a lovely send off. And um, when we brought him back into Upper Church on the night of the report that he was going into the church, his friends from the Act of Retirement, his friends from the Upper Church Development, in the books, all that thing that he'd be part of, were all waiting to walk him up into the church you know, as a guard of honour, and it just felt so right that he was being celebrated because he was such he was such a gentleman friend. Do you know what I mean? He really was. There was not one person I that could actually say my dad was a mean person or anything. He was the heart of gold, an absolute heart you're, of gold. You're paying a lovely tribute to him in, Thank in, you, in, in, indeed, Tommy. Thank you. And uh, th- did that help you with your grief? It helped. Yeah. It is, yeah, it did. Yeah. It helped an awful lot, Brand. Um, like, Daddy's coffin had to be closed because Daddy had CJD. That's what mm. Daddy died from. Yeah. I took him in a month. And I felt very upset that we couldn't, like, we could see him. And when my brother came back from Thailand, he was allowed to see him before... He, the coffin before we brought him home for a night and that, but nobody else could see him. And the upper church um, football team and, and that, they brought in the upper church flag and they put it over his coffin and we would put his hat and his walking stick, which was a big part of daddy with his cap. He always had to have his cap, even when he was very sick in the hospital, he'd look for his cap. His cap and his walking stick were put on the coffin and a picture of him and it felt so right and it felt so nice that people were giving him that honour that the flag went over him. Do you know that sort of way? So it really helped me with my grief that he was as much loved by strangers as he was by his family. Which if you understand, you know, if you can understand what of, I mean. Of course, like, I know? understand perfectly what you mean. Um, and then the the comparison, because some people were making the point about you know, Shane's funeral, that maybe it was not appropriate in some way. But you, you were able to compare your own your own experience with what happened for Shane. You, you think that people should be allowed, I guess, then to express and uh, to celebrate a person's life in, in whatever way they see fit, Com- within, within reasons, of Completely, Fran. Yeah. And I do think, um, you know, the, the priests... Um, if they're understanding and they understand that it helps the family, it makes everything go off so much easier. Um, I was at a funeral of a family member a mm. good uh, 12, 13 years ago, and we weren't allowed to bring anything up to the altar. We weren't allowed to speak about the person, and it just felt impersonal. As if, like, you know, this is it. This yes. Is, we're getting rid of you now. This will be the end of it. Like, we were able to give Daddy the send-off that I know he'd have been proud of. And we were proud of everybody that helped us out in every way. We celebrated 
daddy's life and I just thought I just watched some of it and I see them, you know, his wife jumping up over the thing out chanting and I just thought, oh my God, how nice is that? That would have been a real shame thing. You know what I mean? From watching him over the years, it would be a real shame thing and I think we should be able to celebrate the person's life. Like, it's the last thing, the last hoorah we have for them and we should be able to celebrate them. Well, you know, I, I'm delighted you could come on with me and talk uh, about your dad, you, Tammy. And, and you, it sounds like a unique relationship you had uh, with him. We were a very close friend. Like, yeah. you, you know, I didn't realise how much we were close because Daddy was just there course, always. Yes. And and you have Christmas now, which is the first of the so-called milestones, I suppose, Tammy. Uh, Was he Christmassy? Did he enjoy Christmas? He loved Christmas. Did he? He loved Christmas. Um, He did. He loved being in the middle of the family and sitting down at the head of the table. And we, a lovely girl in Turles made these lovely chairs. And I have one for him, Mum, and my brother to put on the table so that they be with us on Christmas Day. Tammy, uh, I wish you well, and again, condolences you, to you, to you and your family, and and thanks for making time for us at a time when I know you're so still much, struggling. Thanks, thanks, Tammy. Thank you so much. Take thank care. You, thank you. Bye bye. You know, that's uh, Tammy with uh, her experience of her dad's uh, funeral and how it was conducted. How do you feel about that? Oh eight three three double one double three double one. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. And uh, you're very welcome back. Interesting one from a listener who says, I listened to Joe from Eastbourne and like Fran, he doesn't believe in democracy only when it suits him. (laughs) I love the way uh, people impose um, a sort of ideology on me. And and so, I mean, nobody pretends that democracy is is perfect, but, you know, it appears to be the best we've got uh, at at the moment. Um, Anyway, that's interesting. 083-311-3311. Mary joins me. Mary, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. Lovely to talk to you, Mary. You Thank feel you. that church services should be more traditional and more sacred, I guess, Mary. Would, would that be fair? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, now, um, I know that um, Shane McGon's funeral seems to be spectacular and a lot of people seem to have enjoyed it and it was a great um, showcase funeral for Ireland. But um, to my mind, thinking about it and how do you mix the two, keep the sacred, and also have the hoolie if you want that type of thing. So yeah. it just occurred to me, what about having the hoolie when um, somebody's lying in repose mm-hmm. in the funeral home or in their own homes? And when they go to the church, have a sacred service. The church is a sacred place and it's losing its sacredness in the eyes of people each day. And do you think the funeral that we witnessed added to that in some way, Mary? Well, it was different, you see, and you had a different type of people at it. Mm. You know, you had an international mix of people, probably all of different shades and hues mm. of mm. faith, etc., etc., etc. You know, you had a big melting pot there yeah. of people. And, you know, it was grand to the showcase for Ireland. They had a great time. They all had a wonderful time. But um, I hope that the sacred 
did not um, lose out. I fear for now, maybe, as you said, the priest, I forget his name, Fantastic. that he was a yes. very, um, mm. he was very well able to conduct mm. the service. Mm. But not every minister would have that capability. And he seemingly was able maybe to mix the two. But I think, as I say, if they want the holy and want the, you know, to have that type of celebration, okay, mm. that's up to everybody to have what they want. But they don't have it in the church. Keep the church as that sacred place. And even now at Christmas, mm. there isn't a mention. I don't see a crib anywhere except alone in the churches now and they're in the main squares and things, you yes. know. But individual cribs, I don't see them at the shop windows. I don't see them in anything. Children hardly know where Christ was born, you know. But Santa Claus is the new Mm. And, and look, do you notice in the advertising as well there's little mention of Christmas it's, it's the holiday season now so the notion yes, absolutely of, yeah. yeah a take Christ out of Christmas seems to be the agenda but um, yeah and uh, what, I can I ask you Mary were you, were you offended by anything you saw oh I, no I wouldn't be offended no. okay but it worries me hmm. I don't want to lose that um the value system we have, I'd be very strong on that. Mm. And I think um, that there is a place for everything. And we can't be going around with long faces. And we all enjoy life and we love life. And mm. we, But as I said, a time and a place. Mm. And I do worry about the sacredness of the church being undermined. I love my local church. It's mm. an ordinary, simple country church. I love it. And I like to see it respected. Yes, and the the notion of, you know, the way that in certain churches it's only liturgical music that's allowed, for example. Yeah. Um, and so that eulogies are frowned upon except the homily from the priest, obviously. Uh, would you go along with that? Because from your point of view, it retains, I suppose, the sacredness of... Um, about the eulogies from families. Now, a eulogy from the family, maybe. One. Mm. Where... They will inform, you know, where they will say the congregation might be informed of the life of the um, person in question. Yes. Um, you know, there's a lot we don't know about people and things like that, and some very good things they do in life and some very honourable things. And often it's very nice to hear those things, mm. you know, and the family maybe are very proud. They may be the only people who had heard about those and would like to give them the honours um, when they're... Um, on their, in the final hooray, if you like. But I read, that can be done, though, within, very much within, at the end of Mass, or at, um, at an appointed not, time. Not as you know? part of the ceremony. Of the ceremony, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. 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 And have you expressed these views to other people, Mary? I'm just wondering what reaction well, you get to those views. Now, um, <laughs> it's your discussion there on um, Tip FM each yeah. morning this week. Yeah. Um, Tip FM, I love. And um, I enjoy it every morning. Thank but you, um, And it opens up a lot of subjects. And some very sensible people phone in. Um, grassroots have mm. great common sense. Mm. And I was just thinking to myself, how do you manage the two? If people, um, if it's an occasion of celebration of one's life, which it is, mm. Mm. should be. But then there is a very sad dimension as well. So to marry the two, um, what would be the... Um, 
could there be a solution? So I was, I suppose it was mulling away in my it's, mind it's for the very, last week. It's a very valid point, and it's a very and good point as well. And this is what I came well. up with. And, and, you know, if somebody actually is in the midst of a celebration of a life, and if they're, uh-huh. de- if they're devastated by grief at the time, yeah. and they see this around... The, yeah, I could see your point, that that could be difficult, all right, you know. Yeah, and um, just, um, as I said, if they do want the holy end of it, it might be somebody who loved music, maybe somebody um, who might have even wished for that type of funeral. Well, have it prior to the church ceremony. Stay with me for just a moment, because John joins us. John, good morning to you. Morning, friend. How are you? And good to talk to you. You're in agreement with, with Mary, John. Well, you know, I guess somewhat, I'm confused somewhat, and that is because ever since COVID, you know, there were strict rules in around churches, and when we got back to going to Mass, we couldn't shake hands for the sign of peace. Mm. But yet, I witnessed on Friday's Mass, which I totally actually think is a great idea, everybody was back shaking hands. Uh, we were at a party night over the weekend, and somewhere after the end of the party, after one of the songs, they... they, they guy said, you know, turn to the person on your right and give them a hug. Mm. So we're, we're doing all these things again. But like I was at Mass only fortnight ago and when it came to the sign of peace part of it, it was glossed over again as it has been since COVID. Mm. And I'm just wondering, the church is supposed to be the place of faith where, where, where you know, we're constantly listening about our faith and how our faith should do this and do that for us. But it can't protect us from another to shake hands apparently. That has been stopped. And, like, people have never been more proactive with hand sanitizers. If ever we were protected, it's now. Um, but, yes, up to right up to last Friday, there was no shaking hands in the church. So, you know, I just think that and I, I just my, my attitude is like this. You know, people think by going into a church it makes them a Catholic. If that was the case, why, why can't I stand in my garage and become a car? It doesn't work like that. And, and, and I just think, what did you make of the funeral and the style of funeral that that we had for Shane then, um, with that you know with that in mind? I, yeah, I, I I actually think it was great, and mm. I'll tell you why I think it was great. Because if anything, the young people needed something, and a lot of people need something to draw them back to the church, um, to draw them back to a place where they get some sort of a focal point. And I think that when they realised that Shane McGowan had such a faith, mm. that it, it could possibly become cool to have a, to have a faith. And I, I, I respect all faiths. Mm. I just think it's nice to be part of some faith, because I think if you don't have some sort of a measure of boundaries, life becomes chaotic. And mm. for an awful lot of people, we're seeing over the last period of time a lot of chaos in our world. And I just think that people have lost boundaries. But whoever, whoever their boundaries are set by in terms of their faith... Um, but I thought it was a great opportunity to get people back to... Mary, Mary what, what do you make of that, Mary, that to witness what we saw at Shane's funeral, that it might give other people maybe another shot at their faith, I suppose, to some degree, Mary. Would you go along with Yeah, that? I can understand that. And um, I thought, actually, he gave a great example, um, or at least his wife, whoever spoke. Now, I didn't watch the funeral mm. from beginning to end at all. Mm. I only just heard snippets here and there. Um, gave great example by um, pronouncing and um, pronouncing very adamantly that um, he had wonderful faith, that he mm. was a man of great mm. faith. Particularly now, in the Holy Mother, I believe, yes. Yeah, and yes. well, I suppose, <laughs> yeah, we can't divorce one thing from the mm. other, but um, I suppose some people would have more specialist mm. devotions, yes. you know. Yeah. But um, I think that um, your John, I think it was, was speaking to you, um, 
that that certainly was a very valid point. I think that um, it will be seen maybe as being cool to go back to church. You know, people that might think, should I, shouldn't I? Mm. Well, I think it did give a good example from that. But I don't think it really needed to have been holy. But as I say to you, um, they were able to bring it off. They brought it off, I suppose, without really interfering with sacredness. But I wouldn't like to see that be the norm, you know. And if they do want a huli, which they're perfectly entitled to have, maybe that's the way some people like to celebrate, have it before they go into the church. Or go back to the pub in the evening and have it there or have it in the local hall or wherever. All right. Well, it was lovely to have uh, your point of view, Mary, and you too, John, and thank you and a happy Christmas to you both. Uh, News and information's on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on. On 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat. Uh, Welcome back to the final hour of Tip Today. Just to remind you, we will be talking about gardening towards the end of the programme. So if you have a gardening query, will you log it with us, please, as soon as you can? 083-311-3311. Fran, you're very cynical over Rishi Sunak um, losing his apps in his WhatsApp messages in the UK. But memories are very short. What about all that happened here over the years as well? Well, lots for sure. Uh, Mary was on to tell me that there's a lovely crib in the Templemore Arms Hotel. Well, that doesn't uh, surprise me because they do things very well up there for sure. Uh, somebody is saying, I did my special mum's uh, eulogy and it was short and sweet Um just about my special mum, but my sister did my dad's, and oh my God, the bullshit that she came out with. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry for laughing. Um, Fran, listen to your previous caller. My own mum died unexpectedly uh, recently, and the local priests couldn't be more helpful no matter what we wanted to to do for the funeral. They were more than willing to allow us to do so. Uh, At the end of the day, it was our mother's funeral, and we were the people who knew her and loved her best, not just the local priests. Um, okay, lots more in on that. Let me have a glance through it and I'll bring it to you pretty soon. But right now, it's time for our Garda slot. I'm glad to be joined by the sergeant in charge of Clamell Garda Station, Margaret Kelly. Good morning to you, Margaret. Good morning, Fran. And great to talk to you today. Can we begin in Clanmill in your own area, if that's uh, okay? And again, some um, some simple steps to shopping online, because of course that can be a minefield, uh, Margaret. Yes, absolutely, Fran. I'm just hoping to take the opportunity. I know that we're actually so close to Christmas, but there's still a lot of um, online shopping with the listeners, and as as it approaches, the National Cybercrime Bureau have given us some simple steps to safe shopping online. So some of the steps that the listeners can take to secure their online shopping is to be aware of fake gift cards or vouchers, only purchase vouchers directly from retailers, their own site or store. Uh, Beware of charity tricksters. The best way to ensure your money is going where you intend is to donate it directly on a charity's website. 
be aware of uh, fake shipping notices. These are becoming mm. really common. So these are emails or texts telling you that there's a problem with your delivery and they are usually fake or also um, asking for you to make a payment to do with customs and things like that. They're generally fake unless they're coming from on post themselves. Fake mobile shopping apps only use known or reputable apps to purchase goods over your mobile phone and buy from trusted sources and retailers. Again, i just like to mention the e-flow text messages are still going around. We're hearing about yes. them every day yeah. here. And especially for people in Tipperary that may go up to Dublin to do a little bit of shopping over the Christmas and may you know, get a text message like this and say, oh gosh, okay, so I didn't pay or whatever and get caught out with that text message, please be extremely careful about the e-flow text messages also. Yeah, and of course, those of us who are doing a bit of shopping on online, when you get messages about parcels being held for you and stuff, you can see why people would be taken in by this, Margaret, but you really have to be careful, haven't you? So careful. And yeah. actually, I get those messages myself yeah. and I noticed that on post will actually put a slip into your letterbox uh, if you actually owe money and you've ignored a, a message from them. So they will actually put a slip into your letterbox so you know that it is very legitimate. Good. So very, just very good, be super yeah. careful about those uh, messages, especially when you're expecting packages to be delivered. Uh, it's been a dreadful year where road safety uh, is concerned, Margaret. Um, you have some initiatives this Christmas, don't you? That's right. So from a road safety point of view, on Garda Síochána in the whole of Tipperary have a Christmas initiative and are currently out in force in an effort to keep people safe on the roads in the run-up to Christmas. We're asking all listeners to be really mindful of the lifesaver offences. And I know you've heard me drumming on about these, but I'm going to remind mm. listeners that the lifesaver offences are speed, safety belts, holding a mobile phone while driving and intoxicated driving. So if these areas are respected, people are going to go a long way to keeping themselves safe on our roads over the Christmas period. We spoke earlier on there at the start of the winter about having cars winter ready mm. and we've already had a good few frosty mornings. I know it's mild at the moment, but with the wet weather and the frosty mornings over the Christmas period, we're reminding people just if they can just take two seconds out of their day, go out, look at your tyres today and make sure that they're roadworthy for over the Christmas period. Yeah, and uh, that's very, very important indeed. Um, detectives in, in Carrick and Sure, they, they made an arrest to Margaret. What's, what's that about? That's right. So on Thursday, the 7th of December, um, a man was arrested uh, acting suspiciously on the old Waterford Road in Carrick and Shore, and when he was searched, he was found to be in possession of a knife. He was arrested, brought to Clonmel, where he was charged with possession of an offensive weapon. So well done to the members there. For sure. We made reference there to, to drink driving, and uh, there were some arrests made around that uh, That's too. right, and we'll speak about more, we'll say, mm. further on in the slot as well. But in Clamell area, two drivers have been arrested in the last two weeks for intoxicating driving. Both persons were breath tested and will receive fixed charge notices and disqualification from driving for those uh, two incidents. Now, cars being uh, broken into, again, we're hearing more and more about this in Clamell and in Carrick, I think, as well. 
That's right. So we had a we've had have had a large number of cars broken into around Clonmel, uh, some in Carrick and Shore, and indeed Ballyclaren over the mm. last two weeks. So I'll start with Carrick. A van was broken into down there in the Sean Tracy Park area overnight the 28th into the 29th of December. So that was a Tuesday night into the Wednesday. And some tools were stolen there. There was a still console and uh, a number of Milwaukee items. Mm. So we had a Milwaukee skill saw, an impact gun, electric screwdriver and drill. And we'd like to hear from anybody at all who was in the Sean Tracy Park area the 29th the 28th, I beg your pardon, into the 29th of November. If you saw anything suspicious, to please make contact mm. with us. There were thefts from cars in Clonmel too. That's right. A number yeah. of thefts from cars were reported in the Ard Even area in the town in the early hours of the 1st of December. A man was stopped. He was arrested and charged in connection with the crimes and he's due to appear before the courts. There was uh, property recovered and uh, that has since been returned to owners. So we, we have had a good few cars broken into in the area, in the estate particularly, over the last two weeks, Fran. And, so uh, over, oh, uh, I beg your pardon, pardon Margaret, and again two tools stolen from an SUV this time and that seems to be a target constantly, doesn't it? That's right. So yeah. overnight, the 8th into the 9th of December, a car and a van were entered, one in Churchview in Ballyclaren and the second in Canuck Even. There was two stolen from an SUV in one of the estates. So we'd like to speak to anybody that saw anything suspicious in and around those areas in the early hours of the 9th of December. So that is last Saturday morning and hopefully that will pique some interest with some of your listeners there this morning, Fran. What is it about those particular Japanese cars that are being broken into, Margaret? So they do have a couple of flaws in terms of security for some of the Japanese Hmm. uh, make vehicles, Fran, and the only advice uh, that we can give to members of the public who have um, a Japanese car is to um, put a steering lock on their steering wheel and that they can be purchased relatively mm. simply from any of the motor factors. Mm. But if you feel that you have a vehicle that is um, doesn't have the additional safety measures that other cars would have, we would advise them mm. to get a steering lock. I, I think they're largely imported Japanese cars as far as That's I know. That's correct, this, yeah. Fran, absolutely. And look, I think a lot of owners are very aware of of the fact that they may be a little bit more at risk than other vehicles. But look, a steering lock for Christmas, course, I think, yes, you know, course, yes. a stock and filler for sure. Well, well that's uh, that's for certain. Uh, more diesel stolen? Again. Yeah, we talk yeah. about this a lot on this slot, Fran, and we do have reports of diesel stolen from work vehicles. We'd advise people, especially with the larger work vehicles, which are holding huge quantities of fuel, to please park up in a well-lit area, ideally where CCTV cameras are covering the, the parking, if they're going to be left unattended for long periods and certainly overnight. If we move to the Thurles area, then a, a man was attacked. That's right. There was an assault there up in Thurles. A man was pushed and when he hit his head on the footpath without socialising in Thurles town on the 3rd of December. He was brought to hospital as a precaution. A suspect was identified. He was arrested and brought to Thurles Garda Station and questioned in relation to that assault. So, I mean, these things can be quite simple and turn out to be more serious. Thankfully, not in this situation, but 
please act responsibly when out and about. Yes, we've we've heard other instances where it didn't work out quite 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 as well. Absolutely. Uh, some arrests in the in the Thurlis area as well. Is that is that around drink driving too? That's right. Four yeah. people have been arrested in Thurlis area for under the influence offences. Two of those were driving under the influence and another two were being in charge of a vehicle under the influence or suspected to be under the influence of an intoxicant. And, you know, very common. I mean, one of the instances on the 11th of December there in the Thurlis area, a car was stopped in the hard shoulder of the motorway. When the guardie spoke to the driver, he was heavily intoxicated. Uh, you can just imagine the devastation of that person being on the motorway in that kind of condition. Uh, he was arrested and conveyed to Thurlis Garda Station. The driver provided a breath, uh, specimen. He failed, He was charged and he's going before the courts, Fran. My God. Uh, a burglary as well, Margaret, in, in Stradivore. That's right. So mm. on the night, the 6th into the 7th of December, a burglary occurred in the Stradivore area of Thurlis. A shed was entered and two pedal cycles were taken. They were trek racing bikes. Uh, red and black. One of them is red and black, and that's about a thousand euros worth. Mm. And the other one is a blue black Trek racing bike. Again, a thousand euros. So we'd like to hear from anybody that has any information about those um, pedal cycles, very costly items, and we would love to hear from your listeners on that. For sure. If we move to the care area, your colleagues are going to be busy. Many events over the next few weeks. That's right. Uh, Sergeant Carl O'Leary has let us know that there's lots of events planned for the care cashel area, and the weekends, she says, are particularly busy with many events such as tractor runs and Santa dashes organised by volunteers in the community. So in Gardaíochána, in care and Cashel will be out and about and assisting to ensure that disruptions are kept to an absolute minimum for the rest of the public. But if you are leaving home or visiting over the holidays, please contact your local station just to let them know that uh, who your key holder is for your premises. It can be very useful for ourselves if you're away over the Christmas and for any reason your alarm goes off, at least we'll know who to contact. Mm. And what about gifts and leaving gifts around the house as well, Margaret? Yeah, Sergeant O'Leary is saying, look, if you do receive gifts of of, uh, monetary value, it can even be things like uh, vouchers or, you know, a piece of jewellery, a bicycle... Um, any of those kind of electronic devices, we're asking people, look, take a, a note of your serial number and file mm. it away. Just in the event, we have lots of unclaimed pop- property in all of the Garda stations across the division and it's sometimes impossible to identify who the original owner was. So we'd ask that, especially as new items come into the house over the Christmas period, to just take a record of the serial number and it could be any item, you know, a television or uh, a mobile phone or any of those items. Please take the serial numbers down and file it away in your filing cabinet. What happened in Abbey Street in, in care that's being investigated, Margaret? That's right. So the Guardian Care were actually assisted by Clomel Gardy and our detective units here Serious enough incident there, Fran, at Abbey Street in Care in the early hours of Tuesday, the 5th of December. Gardaí arrested a man in his 30s for burglary and possession of an offensive weapon. He was 
arrested, questioned and later charged and taken to a special, no it wasn't a special sitting, an ordinary sitting of Carrigan-Shore District Court. A file is being prepared on that matter and the man has been remanded in prison again to appear in Clamel later this month. And another burglary. Another burglary. Uh, that's right, Fran. The Guardian Care. This time, isn't it? Yeah. That's right. We're yeah. asking for listeners' help in relation to a burglary in Ballyluby. It was a house. There was an incident on the sixth of December, which is this day last week. It happened between five and six p.m. on that date, and we'd ask if anybody saw any suspicious jeep. Uh, particularly a large silver jeep that may have been in the area. We'd like to hear from anybody about that um, to contact their mm. guardy in care, please. You're looking for some help as well on what happened in Tin Curry. Was, was it the door of a house? That's right. The door of the house there was forced at Tin Curry, and that was on between the 23rd and the 29th of November and some items were stolen from the house. The Guardi would be delighted to hear from anyone that may have seen anything that just didn't see, sit right that week to contact the local Guardi in care. We had our scenes of crime examiners out at the house, uh, as we do at all burglaries, um, and we're waiting on results of their examinations, but would love some help from the public if they saw anything suspicious. It, it appears, Margaret, is this prime time for for? thieves and for burglaries and stuff is it like i think a lot of people do actually think that um you know a lot of burglaries maybe occur at night or yeah. you know i mean they can occur any time but certainly nighttime does give particular cover to people who are interested in being elusive to ourselves and the public you know because yeah. the public really are fantastic and they will ring us often if they see something just not sitting right We'd encourage everybody to do that. Yeah, and as we all say, it's no load for you to receive a call like that, Margaret. It's No, we'd you know. much prefer, yeah. we yeah. really would much prefer to know at the time. Sometimes, I mean, you you know yourself, Fran, you're thinking about what what day last week did I see that? Yeah. You yeah. Can't, possibly can't even remember the day that you saw something. Um, so ring us at the time, it's no big deal at all. And we would prefer to be solving crime there and then as opposed to missing out on something that is suspicious to of the course. public. Uh, to North Tipperary then and the Nina district and Port Rue, was it damage to cars? That's right. Um, a number of incidents there that occurred on the 3rd of December. Property and cars were damaged and um, the guardy up there arrested one man and seized a car. He was later charged with burglary and criminal damage offences. He has been remanded in prison and he is... Uh, will appear again before the court mm. up and, there. And that woman was attacked as well, wasn't it? That's serious right, a serious thing. incident there. Detective Sergeant uh, Declan O'Carroll has asked me to mention this. On the 10th of December, a serious incident occurred in Nina. A woman was attacked and injured by a number of others. So the woman was brought by ambulance to hospital and on the 11th of December, a number of follow-up searches were conducted by the local guardie there and two women were arrested. Uh, they were later charged with assault and possession of weapons and brought before the courts, and they also were remanded in custody. So good work, good follow-up work there by the Gardaí north of the county. And speaking of good work, uh, some drug seizures as well, the Carrigatoher area. That's right. So the Divisional Task Force was assisted by the Divisional Drugs Unit and local Gardaí. They carried out a search in Carrigatoher area on the 6th of December. 
and suspected cocaine valued at €100,000 was recovered. One male was arrested. He was later detained and questioned at Nina Garda Station and he was released pending a file to the DPP on the matter. On the 29th, um, following a search in Nina Town by members of the Divisional Drugs Unit, suspected cocaine to the value of €14,000 was discovered Two men were arrested there and later released pending a file to the DPP. So a great work happening up there in the north of the county and well done to Detective Sergeant O'Carroll and all the crew up there, uniform and plain clothes. Well done indeed. Burglaries as well in uh, the Nina district. That's right. So uh, Declan O'Carroll is arresting, they're investigating four burglaries that occurred in the Nina district on the 8th of December. The incidents occurred during the daytime and the Gardaí are seeking the public's assistance. So anyone who saw a car or individuals acting suspiciously at Kilbiller, Coolbawn, uh, Bally, Scanlon, Coolbawn, Kearney, Woodlands and Brune Sea Estate and I have no doubt that I will have pronounced all of them incorrectly. <laughs> um, they're asked to contact the Gardaí in Nina. These burglaries occurred, as I said, in the daytime and it's hoped that somebody may have seen something that could assist the Gardaí up there. They're obviously making lots of inquiries um, when they talk about four burglaries in an area all in the same day. Uh, we'd like to hear from somebody. Somebody must have seen right. something. There must be some connection there. Over to Silver Mines then, uh, Margaret, and more thefts. That's right. Between the 5th and the 7th, a quad bike was uh, ch- and a chainsaw was stolen from a shed um, at, in the Silver Mines area, a shed at Cooleen in the Silver Mines area. The quad may have been in the forestry around the Silver Mines area on the 6th of December. So anyone with information is asked to contact Nina Guard Station, please. Hmm. And there, there was another burglary, was there? In, uh... That's right. This time, Carrick in Latera, um, a house was entered and a number of items stolen. Again, if anyone saw anything suspicious, they're asked to contact their local guardie. Hmm. Strange one then. Second-hand radiators, Margaret. I know. Uh, the, between the 2nd of December and the 4th of December, a number of second-hand radiators are stolen from a property at Palinorman Dolla. Uh, the Guardian are asking any members of the public to be on the lookout for the items if they're offered the items for sale to contact the Guardian in Nina. Everything has a value, friend. That's for sure. Uh, over to lovely Drummondier then. And a caravan went went walking. Yes, uh, we really would love some information on this. This is a very expensive item. Between the 1st and the 4th of December, a caravan was stolen from Drummondier. The caravan was a Drea make and white in colour. And I think anybody that's on the road will, will see those type of caravans. The Guardi are canvassing for CCTV in the area and they'll continue with inquiries. But anybody that has seen that uh, caravan, we'd love to hear from you. Bit of a fracas as well on, on Castle Street. I wonder what happened there. In that's Roscoe. right. The Guardi yeah. broke up a disturbance on Castle Street in Roscoe on the 3rd of December at 2am, so the early hours of the morning. They're carrying out further investigations in relation to that and they're examining CCTV. If anybody has any information and feels like they can assist, even in a confidential nature, please contact the Gardaí in Ross Grey. And again, scams, investment scams and the like online. That's right. And and Detective Sergeant O'Carroll will, will always talk about frauds. I mean, uh, as 
it's not just happening north of the county, it's happening all around the county. Fran, um, large amounts of money are being lost at various type of investment scams um, between one, between the first uh, 20,000 euros cryptocurrency scam reported to Gardaí up there. A number of individuals clicked on links sent to their phone, which has led to their accounts being taken over and money stolen. So increasing amount of people being contacted by phone and fall victims of the scammers. I mean, they are so convincing, Fran. So if in doubt, hang up your phone. For sure, but it's getting so sophisticated now, isn't it? Very sophisticated and very, very convincing and elaborate. So please don't underestimate. If somebody is looking for money off you over the phone, unless it's your son or daughter or your brother or sister, I'd be inclined to hang up the phone. Yeah, well, I'd I'd say even hang it up anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> Fran. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Let Let's move to Tipperary Town then, if we can, Margaret. Just uh, finally, in a car broken into in in Emily, I think was it on the eighth of December. That's right. Wing mares were broken into a car in Emily uh, area of mm. uh, Tip Town. Uh, one man was subsequently arrested in the Bruff area uh, later on the next day, the ninth of December, and he's been charged with that criminal damage. Uh, yeah. in, so, in Menard then um, the owner disturbed some, some that's people. right so 9.30am on the 30th of November the owner of a property in the Menard area disturbed two individuals who were attempting to break into the property two men ran across the fields at the rear of the property and Tipperary Town Gardaí are investigating that matter currently and appealing for any information mm. and in the Scalaheen area were more um, would-be thieves uh, disturbed that's right the next day then we had at 11.15pm on the 1st of December the owner of a house in Scalaheen area Tip Town disturbed two men in the process of stealing oil from an oil tank and they fled on being disturbed by the owner Tip Town Gardaí again appealing for witnesses but I have to say you know, you'd have to be very proud of these uh, property owners. Yeah. You know, they they made the calls um, and being very alert in respect of their properties. Um, so they haven't fallen victim to crime, but having said that, crimes are still attempted. And that is exactly, if a crime is attempted, it's nearly exactly the same as the crime happening. Of course, and uh, worryingly close to my own home place as well. Dunno Hill, what, what happened there, Margaret? So between 9am on the 30th of November and so the week, the, the 30th of November to the 5th of December, a garage was broken into in the Dunno Hill area of Tip, Tipperary. Mm. A Honda power washer was stolen and these are really high-value items, yeah. Fran. Tipperary Gardaí are appealing for information in respect to this break-in and can be contacted on 062-80670. They're also appealing to any persons who may have been offered a power washer for sale in unusual or suspicious circumstances. So uh, we'd really mm. appreciate that. And Honda is usually red. in it, Their items are red in colour, so that may somebody's attention there. It may indeed. And, and finally, a remarkable theft when you think of the size of the... Bales of silage, Margaret? I know. I know, I know, wow. Fran. It's just, as I said to you earlier, everything has a value. Uh, between the 1st and the 3rd of December, a number of bales of silage were taken from a farmyard in the Ballinavine area of Emily. Tipperary Gardaí are appealing for information. Given the size of the items, it's yeah. quite likely that I mean, a large trailer or some sort of transport obviously was used and would be required to remove the bales. 
And again, I mean, you just couldn't be watching closely enough. Well, that's for sure. I understand, Margaret, this is your last guard that's not uh, with us. You're, you're departing for pastures new and you've been promoted as well. I have indeed, Fran. I uh, suspect a certain birdie over in Caregarda <laughs> Station may well have been on to you. She certainly I was couldn't possibly, me yesterday. I couldn't possibly say where I heard this from, Margaret. Mm. Well, many congratulations to you. Thank you so much, Fran. Mm. I'd like to take the opportunity to thank the listeners in the whole of Tipperary, especially the Tip Today listeners. People have been so fantastic here since we started this. And I know there's a lot, an awful lot of interest in the radio slot and we have got great feedback from it here and great assistance from the public. And we love to be able to give advice, but also to, you know, so that people are aware that these crimes are occurring and we're doing our very best and we can only... Uh, benefit from their assistance in the investigation of these crimes in their areas. Well, Margaret, we're going to miss you, but we're delighted with your your, your promotion. Thanks for all the wonderful slots uh, over the time, and a happy Christmas to you, Margaret. Many happy returns, friend. Thank you. Bye-bye to you now. That's uh, Sergeant Margaret Kelly as she is now, but she will be very soon Inspector Margaret Kelly, and we wish her the very, very best indeed. We'll take a break. Back with more in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie And you're welcome back. Now, final preparations are being put in place for the first outdoor Christmas market on Kicken Plaza this weekend. It's hoped that the local people of Clonmel and surrounding areas will make a huge effort to support the festive initiative organised by transition year students from the four secondary schools in the town. That is the presentation, Loretto High School and Goel Kaloshta as well. So I'm glad to be joined in the studio now by the principal of the high school, that's Karen Steenson, uh, high school student, Padder Bradshaw and uh, Eva uh, Morrissey is with me as well. So good morning to you all and thanks. We just had a, a great uh, master class in pronunciation before <laughs> before uh, the yeah. the break there but you're all extremely welcome. Karen can I go to you first of all, will you tell me about this initiative and how it came about? Yeah, Fran thanks for having us here this morning um, so uh, early on in the year uh, I suppose a lot of there was, I suppose we had a very difficult start to the year um, for the community and for particularly I for suppose sure. for the schools involved and uh, I know there was a lot of talk about you know uh, how well the community you know responded at the time and um, most of our transition year students uh, teach German or learn German and uh, obviously in Germany Christmas markets are such a huge uh, thing so the idea was put out there that maybe as a community of schools that we would get involved and do something that for the community uh, possibly as a small thank you for their support at the time but more importantly as a kind of an opportunity to uh, come together um, in a pol- for a positive event um, 
the students obviously in transition year get a huge opportunity to be involved in enterprise and yes. performance a lot a variety of things that they do so it's giving them the opportunity to put all the skills that they're learning into practice give something back to the community and um, for the four schools to work really closely together um, which we do anyway but for the students to come together and it provides something for the community so just, and, and you've decided to do so in great style because not one day but two days no. Yeah, it started off as a little bit more than that, I think, didn't it? They were, they were doing a couple of weekends. We had to get realistic about it, yeah. No, two days. And I think um, some of the things, and the guys will tell you a little bit about what's going on over the two days, but there's so many people were wanted to be involved. I mean, we were really taken aback by the community's response. We put it out there. We didn't really know how many people would want to be involved, but everybody uh, has wanted to get on board businesses. We actually have a waiting list for people for this for, to have stands at because you could only have 40 stands, yeah, is that, yeah, that, yeah. that's what um, So we got yeah. huge support from the County Council um, and from various different uh, groups in, in the community. So look, fingers crossed, it's looking like it's going to be a great event and there should be great entertainment there as well, the lads will fill you in on that. I'm, I'm sure. Do fill us in on that, uh, Ava, if we go to you first of all. What can people expect then? You can expect a load, a load of different things. Like we have the Director of Stack, Helen Tobin, reached out and she offered to do a sing-along in the church on the plaza. So we would love for people to come in and join in on that. It's music led by the well-known musician Eamon O'Malley so everyone come in, sing loads of Christmas songs that they already know and we'll have a great time. Then also there's like a Ukrainian choir coming, adults and children alike and they're, they were so honoured to be invited and be a part of the community event because coming over they want to just be part of the community so mm. they were so delighted. Of course indeed and Padder has a guitar with him, <laughs> we're going to ask him to, to uh, sing for us in just a little while but what else can we expect from a musical point of view Padder? Well Fran, uh, I was tasked with organising some uh, live music for the event yeah. and I suppose the main one that I'm quite very excited about was when I was in second year I made a film about music in Clomel and uh, one of the musicians who I met from that was a guy named Paul Walsh, who plays with Rice Seven. Yeah. Uh, and they've been all over the place, you know, they're very famous in, like, Europe and especially in, you know, kind of UK and Ireland. So uh, he just said, I asked him, I said, I'll, I'll give him a shot and I'll ask him whether or not he'll come down. And I was very surprised when he said he would. <laughs> but um, yeah. it's happening, so he's going to be there at one o'clock on the Sunday. And that's going to be like the main headliner, I suppose. Well, that's, main that's, event. that's brilliant, though, to it have is, him back, know. isn't it? And what what will he perform his own stuff, or will he do Christmassy um, no, stuff? No, it's going to be Christmassy yeah, stuff. Because, yeah, you know, he, he said just for a change, he'd like yeah. to do Christmassy songs. Very good. I love the notion as well of the uh, drop-in venue yeah. for for, yeah, yeah. for, yeah. for Christmas music Stack. and the like. Yeah, yeah they've yeah. offered yeah. to do that. And that'll be fabulous for people, because obviously you may come with your family and you mightn't spend two or three hours at yeah, the market exactly. when you go through the stalls, but you can go in, drop in, bring the kids in, sing some songs, come back out again, because because of the events that are happening on the Saturday, you might have to, you might, you might come down in the afternoon, you might want to wait around for the carol service that's going to take place at five o'clock. Yes. Um, so you could pop in and you you can uh, bring the kids in and sing along um, join in the festivities. So, no, look, I think, really I think great. It's great. Yeah. In other words, if you intend shopping locally, <laughs> yes. what, what a lovely sort yeah. of break yeah. from all, yeah. from yeah. all yeah. of the commercial yeah. stuff. Tell me more about the Ukrainian choir, Ava. Well, so what's the story there? It's adults and children that came over and they, decide, they decided to make a choir, but they were invited to join in and they were, pure, they were so excited to join in. So it's loads of these people coming together, singing all their songs together for us to all hear and listen 
to. They're fabulous singing voices, so we're just so excited for them to come. It's lovely, and there's yeah. a whole different dynamic to exactly, it as well. Yeah. One of the primary schools, I think, involved. Oh, town, yeah. So there? we have uh, St. Mary's Primary School Choir will be there on, I think, Sunday, isn't it? 2.30. So, yeah. uh, we have the St. Peter and Paul's uh, very famous brass band uh, with Yvonne Moran will be coming on this Saturday, I think. Um, they will be performing as well. So it really is a community event. And I suppose the highlight, really, that we've been working our kind of group school community choir yes. has been working towards is on Saturday evening that we're going to have a carol service oh, and uh, Father Tracy um, will, will will lead that but it will be a, I'm really looking forward to because it, it'll be a really beautiful event to see all these fabulous and I know I'm biased friend, but fabulous young people come together um, to to perform and to do something for the communities. I actually think it's going to be quite um, I think emotional. so too, but you must be very proud of the young people in town because I'm thinking particularly of that awful tragedy mm. that was foisted upon us uh, during the year and younger people, they really came into their own. They, they, they were just amazing now. Really. I, I, I never cease to be amazed at um, I think we don't give them enough credit yeah. often you know, we think with young age that we don't have wisdom. Yeah. Sometimes I think they might have more wisdom because it's a yeah. pure thought that they can have and, and they haven't been got at by the world as much as, as, as adults have but yeah they were they, but they never cease to amaze us hmm. you know and you, you, sometimes I suppose in our, in our job and in our world we need to just sometimes give them the, the, the tools to create something like this you know, so the adults that are involved in this, you know, and all of them said no names to be mentioned this morning because it's true. It's like it, they're just providing them with the tools, the skills and the opportunities to be creative, to give back to the community, to be involved in the community, to showcase their talents, but to and, and, and continue to learn skills. And, and each one of the schools have come on board with this. And there's loads of staff involved and there's this loads of people in the community. Well. But it really is this lot. Is there fun? Fundraising around this. There is, yeah. Yes. Any fundraising yeah. will be given to St. Vincent Paul. Okay. Yeah, and the local little Aldi, they have been involved. Huge amount of business has yeah. been involved. Um, um, uh, and there's a free Santa Grotto as well. Very yes. good indeed. And we were chatting about <laughs> that earlier on this morning yeah. as well, that sometimes it costs people a fortune to go to Santa. Yeah, not exactly, not yeah. in this case. Yeah. Which, yeah. which They're very welcome on, on, <laughs> at the weekend to come and visit Which is great Santa. indeed. So ju- just for clarity then in terms of the times, uh, yeah. once again, Ava, Ava if you would, um, what, what about the times? Um, so we have loads of Saturday. different times. Yeah. We have people coming all throughout the day. It's on from 12 o'clock to 5 o'clock. And at 5 o'clock on Saturday, we have our carol service. So that's all the children from all the schools involved, all the secondary schools. We're all going to be singing loads of Christmas songs. And then Paul Walsh is coming on... Paul Walsh is 1 o'clock on the Sunday. 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 And there will be more live music then throughout that day. Uh, the time's off the top of my head. I'm not 100% sure, okay. but it's yeah. from... That yes. day is one, one to, to five. five yeah. Yeah. Very good. Is there is there a social media platform that we can have a look at where this is concerned? Uh, there is our school social media yeah. platforms. It is, but I suppose also it's it, it's really nice. I think this might be the one of the really first big positive events that the okay. plaza yeah. is being used for. Isn't that great? And it's yeah. such a beautiful area. Yeah. So it'll be. We're really looking forward to using it on Saturday and very, Sunday. Very good indeed. Pander, will you sing us a song? What what will you do for us? Well, uh, I only found out last night that I was going to be singing today. <laughs> so uh, he is always ready. 
ready to sing. Yeah. <laughs> Ever ready yeah. is our pattern. Yeah. Now, so I obviously I was thinking a Christmas song would be the vibe, but the thing is, like the Christmas songs I've been learning over the past few weeks have been in the context of a band. Right. So okay. I was yeah. like, I would have needed a bit more time to figure out it. <laughs> in yeah, but you do, you do whatever you're. So I'm going with, to do a Jimi Hendrix song for you now. Very good indeed. So, that's that's my era, man. Ah, that's yeah. my era. <laughs> this is Little Wing. <laughs> one of the best musical performances we've had in here. <laughs> right, thank you. <clears throat> That's an amazing guitar playing. I mean, Thanks, man. heavy influence from Mr. Hendrix there, yeah? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, a little bit hoarse in the voice, but I'm not pretty Well, fine. it all sounded great to me. Many congratulations. What, what are you doing? Are you, you have a band, have you? You're yeah, I'm in, I'm in a band called Garage Inc., although that name is up for change, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. um, we'll be playing on the plaza. Now, the time is a little bit, again, as I said, it's a little bit changeable in terms of time um, also every Thursday night at the minute I'm playing in the Bodega restaurant in Clamell with a friend of mine who's Harry McMahon plays keys he also plays piano there on Fridays and Saturdays um, and we'll be doing our Bodega set on the plaza as well isn't that marvellous I mean really <laughs> I know what? what a, and there's more where that came from. That's, but I mean, that's incredible performance. Thank you so much for that. Thanks I really enjoyed that. We, we'll have to take a recording of that and play it again over Christmas. That was marvellous. Uh, thanks very much. Have a marvellous time on, on, uh, at the weekend. Thank and so thanks, thanks very much. Thank you so much. To see you. We'll take a break. I'll be right back in just a moment. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter, or email tiptoday at tipfm.com.
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. 